Lauren and RJ, The Frangie Show, starts now on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Hey, welcome in. Glad you're along for the ride. Happy New Year, and we're glad you're with us on a Tuesday installment of the program. Frank Frangie, Hayes Carlion, Lauren Brooks, RJ Saunders with you as we begin 2024 with three words. Win and in. Love it. Win and in. Win and in. That's right? it. When you're in. I haven't even looked at any of the other when contingencies yeah. because it's irrelevant. Just win and beat the Titans. I said this to, during the handoff. The best scenario to be in right now going into the last week is, is already clinched. Okay? You'd rather be clinched. The second best scenario is not have to worry about what anybody else does, not have to rely on anybody, not have to scoreboard watch, when and you're in. So they're in the second best scenario. And it's a scenario where the other team is incredibly banged up yeah. and they're not playing for anything. So you're not playing this fantastic team. It's not like you're going up against, say, the Bills and winning your end. This is a, this is a team that, yes, they're going to play hard, but they're not a talented team. It can work both ways. It can work, number one, they don't have anything to play for, so they're not motivated. They're trying to get to the exit interviews and get out of town. Or they can say they're loose and free and easy like the Jags were two years ago against the Colts. And uh, so we'll see. The, 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 now, the, the Titans will get after it in that game now. That, that, it won't be easy. But, I, uh, but, yeah, you got the better team. I think the Jags have the better team. And I think the Jags go up there and win the game. The Titans are just so flawed offensively. I mean, the, you look at they're 2-7 and seven in their last nine games. They're averaging 16.1 points in that stretch. They're just abysmal. Um, they just – I mean, they can't protect. Ryan Tannehill's admitting after the game when he's asked – you know, were there certain instances where you felt like you had no chance? And he said, yeah, definitely. How often does a quarterback say that? Right. Never. You never see a veteran quarterback basically say, yeah, they, they're, I have no chance back there. That's where the Titans are right now is an offensive line. Uh, and, you know, and the other thing defensively, they're like Carolina in this, in this aspect. They don't take the ball away either. So unless the Jaguars just hand it to them, uh, the Titans have shown no ability to play above the X's and O's and generate turnovers. They only have 12 this season. That's next to last in the NFL. Carolina is last with 11. So if the Jaguars can just avoid basically dropping the ball on the ground, I mean, if they can avoid just the inexplicable mistake, it stands to reason they're going to win the turnover battle. So there's a lot of, of matchups to like. Jeffrey Simmons is on IR uh, he is just a Jaguar killer in his career. So a lot to like about this matchup. But look, you still have to go out there and win a 60-minute game. And they're very well coached. And, I mean, it, it's it's one of those things that it it's not a gimme, but I feel like it would be a choke if the Jaguars lost. And so we, we've seen that. You mentioned the game two years ago when the Colts came here and choked. I don't get the sense the Jaguars are a team that's going to choke. I think they've got too much veteran savvy for that. I think they, uh, they've, they, they're they humbled by their recent play, uh, but they do now have a smidge of confidence having beaten Carolina, and I think they're going to play well. 
I think the question now becomes who plays quarterback for the Jaguars and who plays quarterback for the Titans. Yeah, I know you're right about that. And certain question first is uh, the Jags. I don't think anybody knows. I will tell you, I'll bet you Trevor does everything in his power to get in this game. I, and, I, and I don't know what that will result in, but I would think Trevor does, I mean, every possible thing you can to play in this game. Yeah, and uh, look, I mean, when you're 23 and you get an additional week, right? you know, I mean, for something like this, that, right. that could be all the difference in the world. I do think they caught a break with it being a Sunday game. I, I was afraid it was going to be Saturday that the league would say, let's just get the AFC South settled on Saturday. We know Bills-Dolphins is going to be the Sunday night game, and it should be for the AFC East. Uh, so I thought the Jaguars got a break with you know Houston and ten- and Houston and uh, Indianapolis will play Saturday. It gives Trevor another day, but it gives Trevor another yeah. night's rest, which could be huge. Yeah, I-, I was surprised. I thought they would play Jags, Titans, and Texans, Colts at the same time. I thought they'd have them playing at the same. So they'd be you'd be watching each game. I kind of like it better this way. So now you know uh, one. And by the way, the way it played out, and we talked about this. Uh, I guess we didn't talk about it last week on the air because we weren't on the air, but we certainly – this was a talk a lot, is if it played out the way it did yesterday, and maybe we talked about the week before, now the Jags can't win the division if they don't win the game because one of those two teams are getting to 10. We said that a week ago, that one of those two teams, either the Texans or the Colts, one of those are going to get to 10 wins. Who wins that game, by the way, off the top of your Houston. Head? Yeah, who wins that game? Houston. Even though it's in Indy. Yeah. Okay, so whoever wins that game. And the Colts are favored, I think, by a point and a half. Yeah, yeah. whoever wins that game gets to 10, so the Jags have to get. And by the way, by getting to 10, uh, well-positioned for the wild card. You know, well, well, the, 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 yeah, the winner of that game is going to be in the playoffs. You would think. You would think, yeah. yeah so the way it's going to play out. So we got a lot to talk about today on the uh, program. So a lot to do. Um, New Year's. You guys have a good New Year's? Fantastic. Good New Year's. New Year's. Yeah. All good. We are in a situation where we do absolutely nothing for yeah. Fourth of July and New Year's because the dog's afraid of fireworks. Yeah. So medicate the dog, hang out at home. We had a we had a wonderful time. Uh, I went downtown. I had one of those New Years where you go home after the game. Had a bunch of us going down to Ruth Chris at the at downtown. And when you're driving home and you're tired and you've called a game, you're thinking, "Did I really just do this? Did I really schedule this?" Um, but had a wonderful time. It was a, the, the, the people Ruth Chris did uh, a wonderful job and had hello love. How's that? Hello love. Hello love. Good. Hello. So <laughs> it was a, it was very good. So uh, but a lot a lot of fun stuff going on. A lot of things to talk about today on the uh, program. We'll talk about what about the college football last night, <laughs> and we had a bunch of people over, and Hayes and Terry Norvell were kind of the last stragglers. And I do apologize if I fell asleep while you were there. <laughs> I could feel myself going. I, I'd been up all morning because I did Channel Four hit early, and I'm and I'm trying to stay awake, and I. And we drank a bunch of beer, and I'm thinking, man, I gotta stay awake. These two guys are still here, so if, <laughs> if I faded, I apologize. No, you're if, good. If I, you know, yeah, you get the head. The head starts going a little bit, and you don't want it to go, and you're trying to hang in there. Yeah. And so, um, and so, so, so there. That no, was a lot of fun. So that was a lot of fun last night. So I right, lost the call. By the way, I did not. Uh, did you see the end of the college game last night? The Michigan game. I mean, the uh, yes. Washington game. Yeah. So did I got home and yeah, and, and watched. I, I was out. I didn't. I yeah. missed it. I, 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 when they went up, I when they went up nine. With what two to play? Oh yeah, nine with two to play. I thought I then could turn. I turned off the TV. I should be allowed to turn off the TV. Yeah. Up nine with two to play. It looked like it was going to be. They're going to blow it. A Buckner esque yes, choke job. Yes, by yes. Washington. It did, didn't it? I mean, it looked like it was getting ready to be the biggest collapse that we've seen in college football in quite some time. And uh, you know, Texas four shots from the twelve, and 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 the disappointing. None of them were really. 
even remotely close to being competent plays. Yeah. You know, one the they'd start with a check down to a running back, then the uh, then one ball that just isn't even close. It's just Ewers just throws it out of bounds. Yeah, uh, back of the end zone. And the other two weren't particularly close. It was just really st- it was almost like I, Washington not- choked and then Texas was like oh my god we're gonna win this we better choke and then choke. they choked yeah I, I, I haven't even seen the highlights I haven't even I, but I just read about it that that Texas almost came back and won the game yeah it was very exciting both college football playoff games were and I think that's why everyone relaxed a little bit about the committee and the decision that they made but in the end obviously we had a horrendous orange bowl between Georgia and FSU but yeah it was it was exciting and i think for a lot of the country frank they learned why michael penix junior finished second in the heisman race i am guilty as charged and listen i went and i try as a as a voter you try and do your due diligence you watch what you can but then you go watch in highlights and i tried to do that i voted for jaden daniels and that's why you have so many regional voters by the way cuz i saw more of him boy michael penix is good really and good boy he's really good he 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 is really good, man. He is a he, he throws a beautiful ball. So you're right. I, I think, uh, uh, but man, he was he was fun to watch. But I'll, I'll say this: yeah. he might be getting take flight honors yeah, later yeah, today, yeah, just to, to cap well, off what's been an amazing <laughs> 24 well, hours I heard for Michael that was Penix the word Jr. On the street. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and by the way, I don't know if you know this, but everybody that wins that honor. Yeah. gets charter flights for life. Right? Right. So, so, so I mean, so it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good honor. It know, is right now. The, uh, the, the, so, so, so there's that. Um, I, uh, I will say this about the college games. It did have an NCAA tournament feel to it. It had, it didn't, it had, it had a final four feel to it, which is, which is, that's the whole idea. Now I'm, I, when you have 12 teams, I know not all 11 games are going to feel like that, but, but a lot of them are. A lot of them are going to feel like that, you know. So it was a, it was a. I mean, it was really a fun watch last night. That Michigan, Mich- the uh, the Michigan Alabama game was absolutely as good as advertised. Let me say this: I give Nick Saban credit. Um, he got there with 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 just okay quarterback play. Milrow had some moments. Uh, I don't think JJ McCarthy's a great player, but if I walked away, I think Michigan had the better team. I think the better team won the game. I thought Alabama was going to win the game, but after after we all watched the game. Um, and, and we were, and we had a bunch of us over locked in now. So we all kind of, well, but I, after watching the game, I thought Michigan had the better team. I, I thought the better team won the game. I think Michigan had the better defensive line and that's what mattered down the stretch. And so putting all that pressure on Milrow, keeping him contained for the majority of it, that's what I think won the game. And, and I agree. The Michigan defensive line was the story of the game, but those runs by Corum in the overtime, I mean, that, that, that's the NFL stuff. Yeah. The blocking, the play call, the jump cut. I mean, that's the NFL stuff now. I'm excited for Michigan-Washington next Monday, but Georgia's the best team in the country. No question. And Georgia's the best team. And I'll be surprised if I don't feel that way yeah, a I, week from Tuesday. I, I, I will tell you this. Despite what happened a couple years ago, I would have liked to have seen Georgia-Michigan. And now it didn't give us that because we have a four-team tournament, not a 12-team, and Georgia didn't win the game. But I would have liked to have seen Georgia-Michigan. I mean, I would I, that would have been. They're built similarly. The, the, the quarterbacks are similar. Uh, their 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 lines are similar. I would have liked to have seen Georgia May. And if this is one year later, you would, because I think one year later with twelve of a minute, those would those would have been the two standing. So we got a lot to talk about. We'll start with the, uh, the Jaguars. Uh, we'll start with a win, a good solid win, an efficient win. Uh, what to expect from this week? Uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the NFL teams that are in. Uh, we'll look ahead to uh, the college football championship game and look back at the uh, last night's game, the Georgia FSU game. We've got a lot of thoughts about why that happened. And, and how do you prevent it? Got a lot of thoughts on that, too. We got a lot to do. Glad you're with us. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM.
The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. He dropped. They hit him. They're going to sack him again. Josh Allen got him again. And the career sack leader for the Jacksonville Jaguars, Josh Allen. I'm blessed and highly favored by the man above, first and foremost. I had incredible teammates who, who backed me up this whole season, you know, who witnessed me, you know, really high, really low stayed with me, continued to be with me, and I continue to be with those guys as well. So, you know, I couldn't have done it by myself. Travis Etienne, got a little bit of a block, 40, 45, pull on the right sideline, 40. Travis Etienne still on his feet, put it all on, touchdown! An explosive run! We've been in a little slump the weeks before, losing four straight, but all week we went into this week knowing what this game meant, that the guys played great. It started on Monday or Tuesday in practice, you know, one of the better weeks of practice we've this had. This was by far the best week of preparation that we've had, no matter who we were playing against. If we could follow up with that and also pick it up just a little bit more, man, we're gonna hit a stride, man. I'm excited for it. That ball's tipped, it is picked off. Antonio Johnson's running it back. A takeaway by the Jaguar rookie. Coming down to week 18, and I think our guys really thrive on these situations. It's a great opportunity for our organization, for our franchise, for our players, for our owner. We'll enjoy this one, obviously, and, and prepare this uh, this week. It's a Nimnik Tuesday on the Frangie Show. Nimnik, your friends in the car business since 1941. Hey, Brandy Hayes, Carline, Lauren Brooks, RJ Saunders with you. RJ, do you have a good New Year's? Do anything fun? Do you get crazy? I bet you were crazy on New Year's, weren't you? On New Year's Eve? Yeah, but cra- were you like totally crazy? I was here at the studio. Oh, you are? Did you wear one of the hats? Like one of the little hat, the New Year's hat? Oh, I was getting crazy. Listen, uh, all the mess that you saw here in the studio, yeah. that was done by me. I thought, I thought. Yes, yes. So when everybody was like, what went on? And, you know, somebody had to smack their lips and say, it was RJ, wasn't it? And I said, yes, it was. Someone asked me, Hayes, where's the party? I said, where's RJ? Exactly. That's the answer. That's that the is answer. the answer. That is the answer. So. Uh, the Jags win it 26 nothing over the Carolina Panthers. I thought they um, – listen, the Panthers didn't have a great football team. What shocked me the most is the lack of arm talent from Bryce Young. I, I, I thought he had, a, he had a pop gun arm, and I don't remember that. Now, I'm, I mean – that really surprised me. I thought a long Stroud would be the better player, and I said that. But I thought Young would be good, too, now. I, I thought, boy, oh, boy, were you surprised at the, that the what, at least what I saw is lack of arm strength from Bryce Young in that game? I've seen substantial bad football. Yeah. I, Carolina was the worst team I've seen. Now, that may be the worst game they've played, uh, but that was for a 60-minute performance about the worst effort performance I've ever seen a team have and uh and Bryce Young was a big part of that I I was stunned yeah I don't think he's got a lot around him but still I he was he had no confidence at all it was clear early on that he was rattled and you know I think he's at the end of a dismal rookie year he's been sacked over 50 times uh Josh Allen and company got after him early and often and but it looked like I mean, it, towards the end, it just looked like a player that wanted to be anywhere but uh, Everbank Stadium. So, yeah, it's, you know, will he shake it off and get better? I don't have high hopes for that. But but part of that is I, I think Carolina is a disaster from ownership on down. And, you know, I'm curious to see what coach is going to want to work for David Tepper and take over a team that's awful and doesn't have its first-round pick. 
uh, and may have picked the wrong quarterback. So uh, I, I just think there's very little going right for Carolina in general and, and thought it was just absolutely an atrocious performance. One, probably the single worst performance I've ever seen a team have. Uh, and look, it, it came at a great time for the Jaguars. I mean, the Jaguars played well, but Carolina certainly made it about as easy as it can be in this league. Yeah, I think Bryce Young right now has no feel for the pocket, and because he's getting hammered at every turn, yeah, he also is mistiming throws. And I don't know if it's completely arm strength. I don't know if he was really hurt. I thought he would exit the game when he went down with that what looked like a hip injury, and so maybe that played a part of it. He wouldn't wasn't able to to step into his throws because of the pain. I have no idea, but he did not look like an NFL quarterback. Put it that way. Yeah, and maybe and maybe it was an injury because it. And maybe he couldn't. You're right. Maybe it was a lower body injury. I will ask Danny about that. How much it would affect the the velocity? But I thought he was off the mark. But to the Jaguars, uh, number one, congratulations to Josh Allen, one of the good guys. He it's it's so fitting that a genuinely. Good. Have you been around Josh much? You've been you've interviewed. Yeah, he's fantastic. Have you been around Josh Allen much? Uh, here and there, not as much as y'all. Yeah, I, I mean, he he's a, he sees you, he comes and seeks you out. He calls you by name. He he's got a a very genuineness about him. He's a really he's very much like Calais. Maybe not the same charisma that Calais had, but he's very much about being a good teammate, being engaging. He's a really good person, and man, I'm happy for him. And I I, I am happy the way the season's gone and the way that game went for him. Uh, Trayvon Walker's played better. Trayvon Walker's actually had a pretty good second half of his second season. He, Absolutely, he really has. Playing him down at that, playing him that three technique really mattered. That's probably what he is. I still say that. I've said that all along. But play, if you don't, if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, I thought Mike Caldwell had a good plan. He played those guys inside a lot, both of them, because they knew the line was much worse on the interior yeah, than it is. They matched the up against the guards. That's yeah. correct. So, so I, th- I thought that was a good plan. And, uh, but I thought they played well. I, I, there, there's something with this guy, Antonio Johnson, not just because he had an interception. That, that's a, he's a special player, and I, and I think they figured out that he's going to be a good player for him. I love that Cam Robinson's back. Cam probably doesn't love the fact that he fired a helmet, but there's the side of me that doesn't mind it. There's a side of me that thinks that, that feistiness, that orneriness, I kind of like it. I kind of like the fact that, that he's back out there and that he brings that. And – I didn't mind that he fired the helmet. I didn't mind it. I, I just, I, I'm sorry. I, I don't. I'm not saying you should go grab someone's helmet and throw it. But the guy, I, I didn't mind it. I think there's a toughness. I think there's a feistiness. I think there's a fireness. I think, I think he brings a, an edge to him, and I'm sure glad he's back on the field. I really, really, really am. You've caught a lot of games over the years. Have you ever seen a helmet go that far? That might have been the best helmet throw. <laughs> you know, I was watching on TV when Marco Wilson did the shoe throw, but mm. I but that may be the best the best <laughs> helmet throw I've seen. It was a but I, but I, but you know what I mean? He brings an edge, man. He I, I I like I like it. I like what he brings. Yeah, we've I mean that's been a a constant refrain about this organization for a while. Is just other than the seventeen defense, they've rarely even at the times they've been pretty good have had much of an edge and a toughness and Cam Robinson's one of the few guys that that truly has that and I yeah he he wasn't great but that's sort of how Cam Robinson normally is it's like when he comes back from an injury usually the first game back he's kind of so-so uh but then from there on uh, he gets back to playing at a high level so that's really good news for Sunday's game at Tennessee I would expect Cam Robinson will play well there's no chance the league's gonna discipline him for any of this I mean it's you know that's just part of a football he got the flag I mean he might get fined or something but uh but he's not going to be any danger of, of a suspension and uh you know I, I do think that 
they need some of that. They need uh, they need some some guys that play with an edge, and he is one of the few on this team that does. Yeah, I think on the defensive side, Roy Robertson-Harris brings that. But on offense, as far as the offensive line goes, without Cam Robinson, they haven't had that. And, and I loved what he did. You know, he took up for Brenton Strange when Derek Brown was getting a little bit, uh, you know, extra after the play. And so I, I appreciated it, and I love how he blew kisses to the fans on his way into the yeah, locker room. They, they liked it. They, I, and to, to your point, Hayes, uh, uh, if that edge has been missing, it certainly showed up there. So, no, I, um, I, I, I like where they played. I liked how they played. And if they get Christian Kirk back, and I think there's a chance they're going to have him this week, the difference he makes in their offense, in their locker room, in their game planning, the difference Christian, having Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram in the game together, the two so, so, so reliable guys, it makes – and I think Zay Jones could come back too, but it makes Ridley and Zay better – when you've got Christian Kirk and Ingram out there, I, look, we said it from day one. I None of us, I don't think, have wavered off this. When it's Trevor and Etienne and Christian Kirk and Ingram and Zay Jones and Calvin Ridley, that's pretty good. Even if Calvin Ridley hasn't had the numerical season, uh, some thought he might. Even if, if Zay Jones has been hurt and not hurt and Christian missed a month or so, that's a pretty good group. They're going to go up there. I, I Again, I'm excited about the game. I'm kind of glad it's Sunday at one. It's not going to be quite as cold. It gets cold at those 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 January games in Nashville are so cold, and it's uh, I think it's going to be in the 40s, or, but it's not going to be in the 20s. And so um, I've got a good feeling about it. I uh, will the Titans announce who their quarterback's going to be later in the? What's your guess on that? I would think they would. I mean, Vrabel isn't uh, he doesn't normally disguise that. So I would think it just comes down to is Levis available. If Levis is available, I would imagine he'll start, but it's hard to imagine he will be. I think Tannehill would rather just not play. Uh, so I'd be curious in seeing if it ends up being Malik Willis. Because uh, Tannehill's not – You think there's a chance of that? Well, I mean, I don't think Tannehill's coming back there. That's I mean, right. I can think that's pretty much assured. So, you know, if you're Ryan Tannehill, I mean – you know, I'm sure he's. I mean, he'll play if if he's asked. But I mean, I can, I, can, I don't think he's dying to play. I mean, he's basically like if I was Vrabel, and he says post game in the locker room, yeah, definitely. I didn't have a chance on some play. Like I'm not starting him right. in the finale. I will. That's that's him saying. Good. I no longer want to be here. Uh, I don't believe in what we're doing. I don't believe in my teammates. So I'm not putting him out there. Now we'll see how Vrabel plays it. But uh, you know, but I I who'd you I, rather place? Who'd you uh, rather face? Willis of the three, but a bit of the but but if it's not if it's Levis or Tannehill, who'd you rather face? Uh probably Tannehill because his confidence. I, he's had obviously a, a a decent career and he's had moments there. Uh, but his confidence is, I think, so gone. And his, I think, he has been emotionally checked out for a good month now. Uh, so. I'm the, really none of them scare me, right? Who, uh, but I'd I'd rather see Tannehill over Levis. How about you, Levis? Because obviously he's a, a little bit banged up, but also he's still a rookie, and so defenses. I think this Jaguars defense is better against rookies than it is against uh, veteran. I'd rather see Levis too. I, and I, I even though your all your points about Tannehill are good or right, it's still a veteran guy. Listen, we all said it. All Jeff, Tony, and I all said in the booth, we wanted to see Bryce Young run back out there. I'd rather face him than Andy Dalton, who knows what he's doing. I mean, Andy Dalton knows what he's doing, and I think I think Ryan Tannehill knows what he's doing. Your point's all – Ryan Tannehill's no great player, and he does seem checked out. I, I don't disagree with that, but he knows what he's doing. I think Levis I'd, – I'd, I'd, if I'm trying to get to – if I need winning in, I'd rather play a rookie. 
winning in, I want to play the rookie. Now, yeah, CJ Stroud changes the rules a little bit because he's not a normal rookie. But in this case, I'd rather play the rookie. So if Trevor's 70% healthy this week, you start him or sit him? I think if Trevor can play, he plays. I, I, this game's too important. I, this, this, it's this, important, but this, if you're, if, could you start C.J. Beathard, and if things are going well, you keep Trevor even healthier yeah. for the I mean, playoffs? I mean, I mean, everything's on the table, Yeah. but I'm playing, C, I'm, I'm playing Trevor if he can play. I mean, this is, a, this is the rival that has had your number for so long, and you finally turned the tables on them, and you finally have them now, and you're up and they're down. I'm, it's, it's, it's all – I'm going all in here. Now, again – I'm not going to get the guy hurt. If he's still hurt, he shouldn't play. Right. But I mean, assuming he's good enough, okay, he's cleared. Assuming he's cleared to play, and by the way, I don't know that he will be, but I, I'm going to guess he will be. Uh, I'm I'm going to I'm going to guess he will be. Last week by midweek, you could kind of get the feeling he may not be playing. You don't you don't know. They didn't announce it to what Saturday, I think. But you got the feeling he may not be playing. Uh, I get the feeling that. Uh, uh, I, I get the hunch we won't have that feeling this week, but we'll see. But I, I, to your question, I'd play him if he can play. I, it's a game. And, and listen, I, uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Let's win this game first. But I don't think the Jaguars are this team that limped around for four games. I, I've said this a thousand times. Training camp starts in July. The Super Bowl is February 10th. That's six and a half months. It's over half the year you're playing football. So there's a lot of ebbs and flows, man. There's some good times. There's some bad. Every team's going to be up and down and up and down. And the Chiefs look like the best team in football and for a while couldn't get out of their own way. The Buffalo Bills, for a while, looked like the biggest frauds in the league. Then they refound themselves. The, the San Francisco 49ers lost three games in a row before they came here. That's the way the league is. I think where I'm going with this is if the Jags win in Nashville, and I think that they're going to, I don't think Cleveland coming in here is an unwinnable game. I don't care what happened up there. It was a darn close game, and this team was beat up, and this one will be here. I like where the Jags are headed going. In. I, I'm telling you, I, I, I get, don't get ahead of yourself, Frank. Let's go play this game first. I, no, I get it. I get it. But my point is, I don't think this is going to be limp in, and then if you get beat, who cares? I, I, don't, no, I, don't, I don't see it that way. I still think the Jags have a good football team. I really do. They do. And, and again, winning consecutive division titles – is a remarkable accomplishment for this organization. Second time in history, first I mean, time since the 90s. It, it can't be glossed over or dismissed or taken for granted. They have a chance to do something on Sunday that I think makes the season a success, no matter what happens in the tournament. And I do think that there is enough time with uh, winning on Sunday if you win in Nashville. Yeah, you feel pretty good about yourself going into the tournament, but you still have the – the taste of the four-game losing streak. So I think you have the perfect blend of you've been humbled, but you've refound some confidence. And look, here's how this great Cleveland story is going to end. Joe Flacco is going to throw three picks. That's how it's going to end. And I think it could absolutely end in Jacksonville with the four seed beating the five seed and Joe Flacco playing miserable and everybody realizing why Joe Flacco wasn't getting calls for a long time. Like, it's been phenomenal. He deserves a ton of credit. But we know how this story is going to end. And it's going to end with Joe Flacco in his final game having a passer rating of 67.6. <laughs> when we uh, come back, we'll get into college football. What a weekend it was for uh, the playoffs. It felt like the NCAA tournament. It's now down to Michigan and Washington, who will win that uh, game. We'll certainly talk about that. We'll talk about Georgia and Florida State a little. We'll talk about all the bowl games. Uh, a lot to get to. Let's talk some college football. That's after this on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. 
It's a Nimnik Tuesday on the Frangie Show. Nimnik, your friends in the car business since 1941. Happy New Year, everybody. It is a Nimnik Tuesday here on the Frangie Show. Bring Frangie Hayes, Caroline, RJ Saunders, I am Lauren Brooks with you. All right, you want to start with the college football playoff last night, Frank, as Michigan beats Alabama 27-20 in overtime. You mentioned Blake Corum's run earlier. I think seeing a healthy Blake Corum, certainly for Michigan, went a long way this year as opposed to being in the playoff last year when he was pretty banged up. But you have to give it to Harbaugh, right? He made the right calls uh, when he had to. Hey, look, he, he's an odd cat, that guy. Yep. Where John Harbaugh is your normal, funny, down-to-earth guy, uh, when we, when we, I think I've told the story in here. We practiced up there uh, when the Jags practiced with the Ravens, the joint practices in their facility. I, I, I was, I was doing something, and we went in there. You could eat lunch in their, their, their dining room. It was a beautiful facility. They, they tried to model this one after one of the best I've ever seen. And I walk in there, and I'm kind of lost. I'm, I'm not sure, you know, kind of wandering a little bit. And Harbaugh comes around the corner, and I had the Jaguar gear on, and, uh, and, um, and I say, oh, that's, that's, that's John Harbaugh. He comes around the corner, stops, turns around, and goes, "Hey, I'm John. How are you?" I said, "Hey, John, I'm Frank. You look good to meet you, Frank." Uh, and I said, "Yeah, I called the game. Oh, great, great, great." I said, "You look like you're wandering." I said, "Well, I know the lunchroom's running. Come here." Walks me to the lunchroom. Good. Uh, hey, glad to have you here. Anything we can do for you guys? This is the head coach, John Harbaugh. Well, Jim's not like that at all. Jim's like weird guy. I don't know him. You know, mm-hmm. he's supposed to be weird, quirky guy. You can even even when he's being interviewed. You know, you, know, you ever notice how? He's just quirky. Oh, I noticed. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. so quirky. But he is a good coach, boy. He is a good football coach. He's – look, as football coaches go, if you lined up the 10 coaches, Saban's on the, everybody's list, Kirby's on the list, uh, Andy Reid's on the list. If you started lining up just foot, I don't care what level, Cal Shanahan's on the list, he's on the list, man. He's one of the best football coaches going. I agree with your point. He had him ready. He, he's a good coach on every front. For them to be down seven in a defensive game and – find their way into the end zone to tie it and then start overtime with a touchdown. I mean, that's against Alabama with the mystique that that, that program carries with it uh, in that environment of, of beautiful Rose Bowl. I mean, that says an awful lot about Harbaugh's moxie, his team's toughness and their grit. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm fascinated to see what happens because I think he's one game away from going back to the NFL. Uh, so win or lose Monday night, I think uh, Jim Harbaugh on Thursday is in the NFL. But I'm I'm curious to to see how his final game goes because on Washington's side, uh, you know what Kalen DeBoer has done is remarkable for being in his second year at Washington. So obviously Harbaugh is the star of the coaching matchup, but they're both outstanding. And uh, and look, I, I know that. There's several jobs that are going to be open, and I get the Chargers' ownership can be a question, but if the Spanoses are in line and and they've got all their P's and Q's together on this deal, I don't know if you're Jim Harbaugh how you can't go coach the Chargers and just know you're going to have Justin Herbert for at least eight years, if not 15. Yeah, it does feel like this is the end, whether Michigan wins against Washington or loses. Uh, but as far as, as the team itself, I mean, it's impressive to me, Frank, that they were able to beat Alabama with, I thought, an average quarterback play at best. And I know the, the interception right off the rip was overturned. The call was reversed, and so that certainly helped. But overall, I was never, I didn't walk away from the game going, wow, J.J. McCarthy is the reason that Michigan won. 
no, they're like I said earlier, their defensive line got after it, and then they did make some mistakes, like Roman Wilson when he muffed that punt, but he was able to come back and score that touchdown, uh, you know, before they made it to overtime. And they just they needed certain players to step up at certain times, and they got it. Yeah, you're right about their offense. I think JJ McCarthy's pretty good because he makes plays when he needs to. But I, but you're right. They're not winning because he's going to go 38 for 44 for 380 in a game. That's never going to happen. That's not who they are. And they, they play. I'll tell you what they are. They are a bunch of 22 and 23 year old senior offensive linemen. They're very much more like what FSU was. They're they're physical. They're old. One more reason you guys might be right about him leaving for the NFL. I haven't looked at who's back and who's not, but it's an old team. I mean, they I mean, they, they when you see their players interviewed, they look old. You know, they they are an old physical. Uh, that's a bunch of grown-ups. I mean, there's a bunch of grown-ups on that team, so so they're fun to watch. Yeah, and I think they're going to beat Washington. I, I, I again, but I also thought um, that Texas was going to beat Washington. I thought Oregon was going to beat Washington. We keep thinking everyone's going to beat Washington. And Washington keeps on winning. So so who? It may, it's only one more, one more, and then then doesn't matter how many people think they're going to lose. So, so the we'll styles see. are so different, which is what makes the game yeah. fun to analyze. And the the uh, I know there's no more Pac-12 after this. But it's quintessential Pac-12, uh, Pac-12 after dark, throw the ball all over the place, versus quintessential Big Ten, ground and pound. I mean, it is it is a complete um, uh, mix of styles. The reason the SEC's won 15 of the last 19 titles is because they have both. They can throw it all over the place, and they're more physical and fast than you, so usually. But, uh, but a good win for Michigan last night. Kalen DeBoer, just so uh, – <coughs> Right. Because uh, I, I was – blown away by this looking at his career he's 49 years old the Washington coach he has coached at the college level 115 games how many do you think he's lost that's a great question tell me 11 how about that he is 104 and 11 as a head coach as a head coach how about that at Sioux Falls he was 67 and three well you know what I'd like to know what happened in the dang three. Okay, <laughs> and then he was twelve and six at Fresno State. Then gets the Washington Washington job and is twenty five and two. How about that? So, about I mean, that? yeah, he's a really he good could coach. be. We could be two or three years away from. Yeah, he's the, he and right and you and whether it's fair or not, even the Washington's the state university and the flagship and it's gorgeous campus. You guys have never been there. You haven't been to Seattle. I've never been. I've been to the, uh, Seattle, that part of the country, but never the but, campus. But the campus right there on the lake or the bay or whatever it is it's on is gorgeous. I mean, it is absolutely gorgeous. In fact, the football stadium connects to the softball. They have a really good women's softball team. And the softball is actually right on the water. And, I mean, it is a gorgeous, gorgeous setting. So, but despite all that, it's hard to think that the Washington coach isn't going somewhere else uh, yeah. if he has a chance. Whether yeah. that's fair, isn't it? Even whether that's fair or not, it's hard not to expect. It that. is, and, and you and you wonder about how they'll fit in with the Big Ten and yeah. and, and things like that. But I uh, but I will say, and this is peaking way ahead. But for Gators fans, it may not be. You're way hiring Kalen DeBoer. I will say, like <laughs> he, the he's carousel. Heading, you're heading to Seattle yeah, on a plane on yeah. that little Gator charter right. thing. Is anyone you? surprised? The carousel. <laughs> you're heading to Seattle. Is starting uh, to look pretty uh, intriguing uh, for 2024. Is that a Gator logo landing at Seattle International. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you might have DeBoer, Kiffin, Jed Fish. Those are pretty good. Plan A, Plan B, Plan C. If you're a Billy, if Billy, you're a blue chip program looking for a, a restart, Billy, Billy Napier's just trying to coach a football yeah. team. Carline's yeah. headed to Seattle. He's I tell you, I mean, Jed Fish beats Oklahoma in a bowl game. <laughs> Billy Napier didn't need that. Uh, I tried not to think about the Florida football program uh, while we were not on air, but I will say, speaking of Florida, 
Michael Pennitz Jr., Frank, is from Tampa. He played at Indiana and at Washington. I know. How is that possible? How is this guy who easily could yeah. have won the Heisman if it wasn't for Jane Daniels, how is he going to those two schools? Well, I'll tell you, that's a great question. And I'll tell you in my opinion of that. And I, didn't, I don't follow recruiting closely, so I don't know how heavily he was recruited. I didn't even know he was from Tampa. Yeah, not heavily. Yeah, but my, <laughs> but, but my guess yeah. is he played right when it started to change. Okay, so he, so he, this is his fifth year in college? Sixth. Six, oh, sixth year in college, okay, in, in 2023. So he was in high school in 17, 18, thereabouts. That's when it started to change. That's when all of a sudden the Jalen Hurts of the world and the Jordan Travises of the world all of a sudden became all the rage. You didn't have to be 6'4", 215 anymore. You didn't have to have a rifle arm, just a good arm. You had to be smart, efficient. Um, you know, so I think he, when he came out of college, that's when if, – if Michael Penix was in Tampa now, every school in the country would recruit him. Not, not just because he's had the success, but that style. If Jordan Tra- – nobody wanted Jordan Travis as a quarterback. Nobody wanted him. If he was a high school quarterback now, everybody would want him. That's the thing. And in, in the Tennessee Vols were getting beat up on Twitter by some people last night over they didn't want Michael Penix and, and things like that. You just there's so much development that occurs between 17 years and 23 years of age, uh, particularly at that position. Aaron Rodgers was a notorious late bloomer. I I mean it just it just happens. So it's you know it's it to me it's not all that shocking, particularly with college careers now lasting basically more than half a decade, <laughs> uh, that a kid could go from being not really highly recruited at 17 years old to developing, evolving, and and getting better and better and better, and then at 23, can play at an All-American level. It's crazy because he had a really good season last year for Washington, obviously, but Kalen DeBoer recruited him when at Indiana, he, in his fourth year there, threw four touchdowns and seven picks. Yeah. So he must have seen something in Pennix, though, you know, not necessarily the Hoosiers offense, that said, I've got to have this guy. I remember when he was in Indiana, and he was good, but I never remember all the rage, so so we'll see. We're going to take a break. By the way, did you see this thing? You know they had this is really funny. When they have the they have four guys, you got to cut one of them. And someone's got this on one of the on Twitter. Have you seen this? I've seen it before. They have it on all the four guys. You got to cut one. Okay, so the four were the four. It was a uh, Tebow, Cam Newton, Lamar Jackson, and Johnny Manziel. Have you seen this? Yeah. And Menz- Menzel responded. He goes, I'll make this easy. I'll cut me. <laughs> it was hilarious. I did not see that, but who includes Menzel yeah. with those? Right. He said, let me make this easy yeah, for right. you. I'll cut me. <laughs> it was perfect. So I will take a break. Let's talk Georgia FSU. We come back. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Nimnik Tuesday on the Frangie Show. Nimnik, your friends in the car business since 1941. We do want to thank our friends from the Nimnik family of dealerships. Nimnik does such a terrific job. Nimnik Chevrolet is on Cassett, right there at Park. Nimnik Buick GMC is on Phillips Highway, just off of I-295. I've been buying my cars there since uh, the early 80s, 1982. I bought my first car, first time I ever bought a car by myself, and uh, right out of college. Been buying them there ever since, so head to Nimnik. They do a great job. Did then, till now, the uh, the best place to go is Nimnik Chevrolet or Nimnik Buick GMC. The uh, Georgia FSU game was such a massacre. It was a massacre. It was an absolute massacre. But it was such a uh, it was such a representative of all that is going on in college football. 
I mean, it was 63 to 3. And I, and I think they had 63 with 10 minutes left in the game. They did. I mean, I, I like thought, 12 minutes left in the <laughs> game. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I, mean who, we th- I, I thought they may get to 77. I did too. You know, I mean, so, uh, and, and it was just a, they destroyed them. And, and you know the story that Georgia had most of their guys. FSU, most of the good players didn't play. Um, but it really is indicative, and, and it's not a, an indicator of what would have happened. I don't believe any of that. But the point is, what do we want to do with these bowl games in college football? I mean, one t- for what it, say, whatever you, your opinion of it is, Georgia's guys all wanted to play in that game. I mean, even a lot of Georgia guys who announced for the NFL played in the game first. Yeah, they had some guys out, yeah, but yeah, yeah not yeah, to the extent right. FSU did. But they uh, and FSU guys, FSU's guys didn't. But maybe part of FSU's guys were mad that they didn't get in, and they should have been mad. They should have been in. I'll, I'll stand by that. But maybe they were mad about that. But but we, you can't have that. You have to figure out. I what I would really do with all the millions and millions and tens of millions of dollars that are in these bowl games. You should get paid to play in the bowl game. It doesn't have to be a lot. Pay the players that play in the game. And because a lot of those players that opted out could have opted out. You could have gone to the portal afterwards. But if you were going to get – if you're getting a $10,000 check, if you're getting handed a $10,000 check, it doesn't cost much. I mean, just, I mean, with all the money that's going through college football, and I'll give someone a $10,000 check or whatever the number is. If you're getting handed – if you're the deep snapper – and if you if you if you're a, you're the backup safety, and I'm going to hand you a ten thousand dollar check to play in the game, you're probably playing. Now some guys are the NFL guys may still not be right, but somehow some way that was that was it was awful to watch. I mean it was awful. I mean it was. I mean I felt bad for the FSU players who did play in the game, and I got a thought about FSU in a minute. I agree with you, Hayes. I think Georgia's got the best team, but somehow we have to stop this. And I'm not faulting the guys who opt out. You've got your career. You only get one career. You only get one chance to play in the NFL. I understand. I'm not saying shame on shame on guy X for pulling out. I'm, that's not my point. I, I everybody should make the their, the business decision that works the best for them. You know, I, even the guys that transfer as angry as Gator fan is with Trevor Etienne from going from Florida to Georgia. Look, my take on that is, you get one chance to play college football. You should play one chance. You get one. He's probably going to play one more year of college football. I, I don't. I don't fault any of these guys. But back to the game, Hayes, we have to do something. We have to change the system somehow to where we don't have sixty-three to three. Somehow you got to. We have to do something. Well, I I think I think inherently there will be something, and it's the twelve-team playoff because it's going to eliminate a lot of quote really good teams that just missed the four-team playoff that now are a shell of themselves in the bowl game because everybody opts out. So you know now you're going to have twelve teams. So 11 really good teams and then one, you know, baby team that they're going to have to put in uh, from the, you know, one of the smaller conferences. Uh, but basically you're going to have the, the star players of the star teams are going to be fully invested in the 12-team playoff. I don't think we'll ever get to a point where players are opting out of playoff games. Because um, I do think while the NFL doesn't view opting out uh, – is a negative now. I do think how could you not view that as a negative if a player opts out while their team is still in a playoff run chasing a national title. So I don't think you're going to see opt-outs with teams that are in the playoff and once you're obviously eliminated from the playoff the season's over. So but it's only going to get worse for the bowl games that aren't associated with the playoff. So if you're, you know, the Gator Bowl, the Capital One Bowl, you know, a bowl that is not in the playoff and you've got 
you know, number 19 versus number 22 coming in. Yeah, if if any of those guys are even remotely going in the, you know, early rounds of the draft, there's no chance they're going to play in that game. So I think some I think at the elite level it solves itself by going to the 12 team model. But I will say it's only going to be more of a problem for the for the bowls that are not part of the playoff. But, you know, I think unfortunately I think we can probably live with the you know, formerly known as the Outback Bowl being 58-3 to because one team showed up and one team didn't. You know, I, I think that's just going to be the cost of doing business. So I do think what happened with Georgia-Florida State in terms of two really elite teams that it combined for 25 wins going into the game, you know, having an opt-out crisis, I don't think you're going to see that. Um, I could be wrong, but I don't think you're going to see players opt out of playoff games. Yeah, I agree, especially because Georgia, we all agree, is certainly one of the best four teams in the country, if not the best team. Didn't make it to the playoff because of the three-point loss to Alabama in the SEC championship game. But now with the 12-team playoff, you're never going to have who you think is the best team in the country left out and then left to play the team that not only got snubbed but also had massive attrition, including at the quarterback position. I don't think it will have that set up again. But look, I think to the larger point, Frank, Georgia's built by recruiting high school players, four and five, mainly five stars. They have those all over their roster. FSU, once you got past the transfer portal players, and there's nothing wrong with the way Mike Norvell did it, especially when he was hired in the, in the you know, terrible program that he inherited. But that's the, the, the problem is once you get past that layer of the transfer portal players, they don't have four and five stars that are going to go out and compete with the likes of what Kirby Smart has. And it showed, I, uh, and nobody else does either, by the way. That's not just a Florida State thing. Two things came out of that game. First of all, I'll start with Georgia. I know FSU's guys were missing, and I know FSU didn't put a very good team on the field. We all know that. But, man, Georgia has recruited a lot of good players. I mean, every time – I mean, every running back looks like an NFL guy. Every wide receiver looks like a track guy. Every linebacker blows you up like he's Wilbur Marshall. It's amazing. I don't pretend to know their personnel, but it's amazing how many good players they have. I mean, it, I mean, honest to God, it's a, and I look, I know they lost to Alabama and they're out and they didn't, but it's amazing. Watching that game against FSU, and again, I know a lot of us because FSU's guys, to Lawrence Point, were three star guys or whatever. But goodness gracious, Georgia has a lot of good players. Look, if Georgia plays the Citadel and runs for 372 yards and throws for 301 and has 36 first downs, that's a pretty good day. I mean, to do that against, even if it's Florida State's second and third team, it still speaks volumes about the depth of Georgia, who was missing, I think, six to eight players, key players. They weren't missing the droves that the Knowles were, but they weren't full strength. Right. And, I mean, this was honestly, this was like watching Georgia play the Citadel. Or, and I don't mean to pick on the Citadel, but what pick your cupcake opponent? It really was, and it, well, I mean the score tells you that it was sixty-three right. to three. But even the the numbers beyond it, right? I mean, thirty-six first downs. I know, yeah. And, and and again, my my point: this isn't as much about how bad FSU was. Everybody knows FSU's good players didn't play. I mean, I just watched Florida lose thirty to three to Oregon State. Same situation, and not nearly as good a program, and not nearly as good a team. But it's just how many good players they've got. I mean, guy, how many how many times? Maybe you guys watch it closer closer than I did. 
But how many times in that game, in the 63-3 game, did you see a Georgia player that was really good that you had never heard of? Whether, what, I mean, uh, every other snap. I mean, 20, 20, 25 times, right? A player that I'd never heard of was doing something great. I, I mean, I, you, the, the running backs you Had you heard knew. of Will Muschamp's son? Uh, well, <laughs> well, actually, by the way, his younger son is pretty good. Okay. The Jackson Muschamp isn't as good as Whit right. Muschamp, by the way. Right. But yeah, I, I, yes, he, he I did. <laughs> so, but I'm, there's just so many good players. So, 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 man, oh, man, I, I don't think that train's going to stop. Well, and it's interesting, too, because Georgia has now obviously alerted, or the players have alerted. Yeah that they're going to the NFL draft. And there's a long list of really talented Georgia players that are going to the NFL draft. But we say that every year, and then every year they reload. Well, the Texas guy scoring all the touchdowns last night couldn't get on the field at Georgia. Yeah, I mean, the, the I mean, the Texas guy, Ed, Ed right. and I mentioned Adonis Mitchell. Adonis yeah. Mitchell. Yeah. He couldn't get on the field at Georgia. Right. I mean, so and he hangs in the air for nine seconds. I mean, it's on amazing. The touchdown and, catch. And he, I mean, he's and a he great went to Texas. So, he's going to be a first round, late first round pick, right. is so, what people believe. Um, as for Florida State, I will tell you this: wonderful season under Mike Norvell. All the bad breaks in the world, the uh, losing the quarterback, which cost them not to get in, which cost everybody to opt out of the game. Could not have been a worse December. Guys transferring out here, and they, it was it was a ba- it was a, a total total bad December. That doesn't change the great September, October, November. They 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 they're deserving of every uh, accolade they got for the for the regular season that they had. But I will tell you this: there's a real challenge now for Mike Norvell to do it again. So it doesn't look like one fluke season where all the portal guys came together and you won some close games. And Jordan Travis created some magic, and you didn't have to play a very good schedule. And you caught Florida when they were really down, and LSU early. And I don't know if I believe all that, but I'm telling you what the what the what people are saying. Okay, this isn't me telling you I, again. I'll, I'll start. Go back to what I said. Uh, FSU's deserving of every accolade they got. But next year, with all those guys out, with the opt outs, with the portal guys, with the NFL guys, I mean, they just had to sign DJ Uyunglele, who's okay. But he's not great. Now, he may be now. Graham Mertz wasn't great either. Got to Florida and was damn good. Michael Penix, you said it, Lauren, was four touchdowns, seven picks at Indiana. Got to Washington and is great. So maybe Mike Norvell will make DJ Uyunglele better than he has been. But it's a real critical year for FSU to make, to keep that one from looking. You know what Georgia's going to look like next year. You know what Alabama's going to look like next year. I got a hunch Clemson's going to be pretty good next year. Um it's important for FSU to be able to – they don't have to go win 13 games again, but they don't want to be 6-6 six and six or 7-5 and five either. Uh, it's going to be a very, very interesting um, sequel upcoming for the Knowles. It will be. I think they're going to be the most fascinating team to watch in the offseason as they rebuild the roster. I, I don't think a 7-5 and five or anything like that is on the table for them because the schedule is so favorable. So, uh, I mean, they play, I believe, Notre Dame, and you know, but they, they – you know, they host Florida, who's probably not going to be very good. Uh, we'll see what Miami is. You know, even I think Clemson, you know, found itself a little bit at the end, but I'm still curious to see. So, yeah, I, I look at Florida State's schedule and and the opponents, and I, I think the floor has to be like eight and four. But that would still be a disappointment when you just went 13-0 and and won your league and, you know, and then lost the bowl game. I So – I. I will be interested in seeing it. I, I don't love the quarterback move, um, but we'll see. Uh, Mike Norvell's done a, a nice job of developing guys, but uh, but I don't think you know adding uh, Uwe Ungalale is gonna radically strike fear in any Florida State rival. 
Uh, so, you know, we'll see, uh, and we'll see what they put around them. So it, it's a critical year. I don't think they'll contend for the national title, but, I, I mean, I, I do think they'll make the 12. I mean, I, I think they'll make the 12 as, like, a 9, 10, or 11 seed and probably lose their first game. So, I mean, I, I, I would expect 9-3, and 10-2. and two. Um, You know, I, I don't know if they'll – I'd probably pick them to, to win the league just because I don't yeah, – to me there's not a lot of resistance. But, uh, but I don't – I do think it's going to be very difficult for them to be as talented as they were this year. And, and I think even, even the most diehard FSU fan would concede that, that the hope is that it's just a small step back, not a significant step back. And I think FSU fans, had Cam Ward still been available, would have wanted him. But because he elected to go to the NFL draft, they can't be that mad that DJ is what they settle on. I mean, Tate Rodemaker, I think, probably sh- should have stayed at FSU. I think Tate might could have beaten out DJ. Here's what's interesting. They were never going to give him a chance. You don't go get a, guy, a former five-star that's been at two schools unless he's your quarterback. We said this about Mertz. Mertz wasn't going, no matter how much the Jack Miller competition or whatever, Mertz wasn't going to Florida last year if he didn't know he was the starter. You don't, you don't do that. You don't go, the only one I saw, that, and I'm still, and I don't even know what happened to him. Is Spencer Sanders still around? Is, 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 I think so. Spencer Sanders was a starting quarterback at Oklahoma State. was pretty damn good. Right? Had a, I, I think mean, they was, won a conference title. Yeah, I think them. they won the title. He was pretty damn good. He, and he goes to the portal. He goes to Ole Miss where they already had Jackson Dart. Doesn't beat out Jackson Dart. Dart starts the whole season. They have this great year, this great bowl win. I don't even know if the guy's still around. I mean, I mean, he and is Dart's he, coming back. Yeah, and, and Dart's coming back again. So this guy Spencer Sanders, you talk about. I guess Lane Kiffin's one hell of a recruiter. Yeah, it's how you got. And so, so I mean, I Spencer Sanders accepted an invitation to the Hula Bowl. Oh, so he's out. So he, yeah, so he's going to try so he, so, and become pro. So he didn't. Play so his all. last year of college football, he didn't play. He didn't play yeah. at all. That was a good decision. Yeah, yeah, I mean, what what in the world? You know. So my point is, you. Other, other than Spencer Sanders, you don't go to a school in the, unless you're going to be the quarterback. Make no mistake. So, DJ, and so my guess is I, I assume Mike Norvell went to Tate Rodemaker and said, bro, you're not the guy. I mean, don't you have to believe that? And, and yes. Rodemaker's dad's a coach, so coaches taught the coaches. And, I, and Rodemaker's dad was the Valdosta high coach for a while, I think, right? So, so Rodemaker's dad probably – hey, Mike, what's and, – and he probably said, hey, coach, look, he's, he's not our guy. Yeah, he, he – I mean – and, and by the way, good for Mike Norvell if he did say that, rather than let the kid battle just so you'll have a robust quarterback room and, and the kid dies on the vine there. So, but, but, I, but again, so we'll see. It's a very interesting season for the Knowles next year to see how – who do they play in the offseason? They, they start with Georgia Tech in Dublin. I know that. Who do they play? Who's their, I think uh, they, Florida, obviously. I think they play Notre Dame. I think that's their kind of marquee okay. yeah, opponent. Yeah, Notre Dame. Yeah. Who, who are their other non-conference? Charleston other, Southern and SMU. Okay, SMU, okay. In Florida. In Florida. Okay, so, and Notre Dame, right? Cause, so, but anyway, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. Oh, and big, Memphis. Big year. What's that again? And Memphis. Oh, they play Memphis. Mike Norvell's former So school. they play Memphis, Charleston Southern, SMU, and Florida. Well, SMU's probably a league game now, right? Oh, that's right. That's right. My oh, bad. yeah. My bad. It's going to take me a while to get to that point. Me too. Me too. So, so but Notre I mean, Dame. That ACC. But Notre Dame Cal is, is in the ACC. Juggernaut. But, no, but Notre Dame is not a league game. So it's Notre Correct. Dame. Memphis, SM, Notre Dame, Memphis, Charleston, Southern, Florida. So. Yeah. yeah, so if I had to rank those in terms of difficulty, I would go Notre Dame. Here we go. Dame, Here we go. Memphis. 
Charleston Southern, <laughs> Florida. And a, and a gap between three yeah, and four. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, but it, uh, seriously, very interesting season upcoming for the Knowles. We'll see. Take a break. More in a moment. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Nimnik Tuesday on The Frangie Show. Nimnik, your friends in the car business since 1941. We want to thank our friends from the Nimnik family of dealerships. Nimnik Chevy is located on Castet Avenue at Park. Nimnik, Buick GMC, Phillips Highway. And I-295. I love this song. That's great. I'm going to go watch the movie again. Yeah. When was the last time you watched Valley Girl? Valley Girl, 1987, probably. <laughs> but I've seen it a bunch. I'm going to go back and watch it. Yeah. I really am. I think I'm going to go back and watch it. Make it happen. Deborah Foreman. Who played Tommy? Nick Cage, right? No, no. Nick Cage played the the lead. Tommy was the the, the old boyfriend. He was the bad guy. Oh. Uh, it wasn't was it Zabka. It wasn't Zabka. <laughs> it was, 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 was Michael Bowen. Okay, Michael Bowen. It wasn't Zabka. Yeah. But he was a but he was a good bad guy. Yeah. Tommy was a good bad guy, right? But Zabka was the greatest. Zabka was the Michael. Good, but, but Michael Bowen. I wonder, was he in anything else? Michael Bowen. It doesn't ring a bell to me. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember the name. This is modern. He was also English, in Breaking Bad, but I didn't watch that. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. How about that? He was Jack Welker. Okay. In Breaking Bad. I didn't see Breaking Bad. I didn't well, that's like Bad. 20. I mean, in Valley Girl He's probably older, came out in 83. It Someone, did come out in 83. Yeah, so you're yeah, talking right. probably a good 25 yeah, years yeah. between those roles. They went from a kid to an old guy. Yeah. He, went from, yeah, he, probably, he also probably played Danny Pickett on the series Lost. Lost. I never watched that, but that was very popular. It was. Oh, I never saw it either. All right, so there you go. Um, I just remember they used to play that commercial with the guy from Party of Five, and he would just say, we have to go back. And, like, for whatever reason in a football <laughs> season, they played that promo, oh. like, every time they went to commercial for, like, a month straight. And that was the same line. And it drove me crazy, and I've never gotten over it, as you can tell. I love that. I love the fact you have it. Um, the Gator Bowl game was fantastic. Oh, what, what a, a fun call. Gino and I got to call that game. It was on our AM here. Um, what a fun, fun game to call. Boring and sloppy for a while. 42 points in the fourth quarter between the two teams. Did you guys watch it? Did you watch any of it? Or did yeah, you, oh, yeah. Did you, did you watch it? I watched game? and listened. Did you watch it? Part, I took the dog for a walk at one point yeah. and listened to you and Gino. The, uh, I, I will tell you. During all the turnovers. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can, I, I, and maybe, I'm, maybe there's some recency bias here, but honestly, I can't remember – uh, a game, a football game with eight lead changes. Now, basketball games. Can you remember a football game with eight eight lead changes? No, that's. I mean, I I want to say Mahomes in the like the Chiefs Rams on a Monday night game five or six years ago yeah. maybe had that kind of back and forth, uh, but it's obviously incredibly eight. rare. I mean, eight lead changes. Particularly for, like, Kentucky. Yeah, and by the way. you don't associate as being that kind of team. Zero to zero going to seven to zero doesn't count. Right. It's just one team taking the lead. The lead has to change eight times. Yeah, I thought Clemson was going to run away with it at one point in time. I did, too. And then certainly, like like you guys were saying on the broadcast, all the turnovers really just made it a a lot of intensity for both teams. And in the end, 
Good for Dabo. I think this game, even though, like we just talked about, it's not for a college football playoff game and for the national championship, but this game meant something to him with everyone doubting him and questioning him all season long and, and his team. Yeah, it was uh, – It was. It, 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 by the way, it, it did matter to him. It mattered to Clemson. I mean, mm-hmm. you, I mean, you could tell they were – that thing ended, you would thought they just won the national title. I mean, good for them, by the way. That's the way it's, that's the way it's supposed to feel. Uh, they 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 probably drew. I think they announced thirty nine thousand. It was probably mid thirty somewhere thereabouts. Uh, they 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 blocked off the upper deck. And again, that's not the Gator Bowl's fault. You you take what you get sometimes. But it was a it was a fantastic game to call. Back to back Gator Bowls, by the way. Taylor was telling Taylor and I were talking about this because she had, she had tweeted it. That back to back Gator Bowls. That South Carolina Notre Dame game last year was fantastic, mm-hmm. and that one was packed. By the way, that that that, that was a great crowd. And this was this, but it was a. Uh, Good. What what a fun game to watch, and I and I can tell you, those two teams got after it, and I got to see Mark Stoops for a minute after the game, who's such a good dude, and uh and he and but he was bummed out, but it was a what a what a wonderful game between between two teams, and I will tell you, um I don't know if Brock Vandergrift's any good, but a point you made Hayes probably two years ago on the program, give or take. What Mark Stoops has done with that program is pretty remarkable. Nobody's ever going to call Kentucky football remarkable. But it, but, but given how nobody ever gave a damn about Kentucky football, it was just something to do before the horse races at Keeneland and then basketball started. That's what it was. And what he's done with that program, it's really good stuff. I, again, you, you were on that. And, and if somebody – A&M almost hired him. And then the, the fans didn't want him. And I'm not sure Mike Elko's a better coach than, than Mark Stoops. I, I, they wanted Elko because he had been there before and he was hotter now. But you're right what you said. When, if somebody else gets Mark Stoops, he's pretty good. I, I mean, that, 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 was a, that was a refreshing game to watch. The, in, in this age of coaches changing all the time, Dabo's been there 16 years. Stoops has been there 12 years. 16 versus 12. You never see that anymore. Never. And two quarterbacks who quarterback their teams all year were still quarterbacking them in this game. Devin Leary and Ray Davis, are, they're playing their last game. They didn't have to play in this game. Ray Davis is going to be in the NFL. He's probably, what, a third-round pick? Give yeah, or take? third, fourth. But he's going to be in the NFL. He could have protected himself. He was hurt. He played hurt and still played in the game. I'm telling you, it was a refreshing game between two teams who cared about the game. It really was. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Kentucky was always the team that they usually were just putrid. But even in years where they were, they had a pulse, they would find imaginative ways to lose. Like, they just never could get it done. And, and that's what I respect about Mark Stoops is, is he has turned Kentucky into a program where they expect to win, really, no matter who they're playing. Now, they, they're obviously, they, they don't. Uh, and you know they like they think this year they finish what seven and six and you know that's that's sort of the area that they've hovered around but uh, but he is considering what Kentucky was uh, he has brought stability and and consistency to a program that I didn't think would ever have it in my lifetime based on you know how they were in the eighties nineties and uh, really up until the point that he got there. So, uh, I mean, he's, he's done an outstanding job. Look, he's probably going to beat Florida again next year for a fourth straight time. I mean, they have struggled against some of the other teams, but if you're the Kentucky coach and you can say, I've got a four-game winning streak over the Gators and, and I'm going to bowl games every year, I mean, it's, it's, it's really remarkable what he's done. Yeah, it certainly is. I would think behind Georgia, Alabama, LSU, 
maybe Tennessee. Kentucky's right there in the SEC. And then, oh, yeah, Oklahoma and Texas. Texas will be way up at the top. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can tell you what they are. They're not an embarrassment anymore. They're not Vanderbilt. They're they're oh, not no. a, they're not a team that's going to lose. Heck, Florida's been lousy lately, but I mean, but they're not. So so it'll be interesting. And I'll say this: there is energy around Clemson. I don't know their personnel well enough to know. Um, I really don't. If if do they have a lot of good players coming in? Do they have a lot? Do they have a wave? Because look, they were pretty evenly matched with Kentucky. It's not like they were. It's not usually. Five years ago, Clemson plays Kentucky. The game's forty-five to ten. It wasn't that, but 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 I don't know. But it was it, again. It was a refreshing game, and, and Clemson, there was energy around Clemson. I can tell you this. So the 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 sports information guy who I had not met for really nice guy came stopped by. And you know you know the sport well, they, they sports info guys or PR guys they come into your booth. If you're doing a national game, they both come in because you don't know either team. If you're doing a a Jags game, the opposing guy comes in. They came in and he came in. Uh, um, Introduced himself. We talked for a minute. He goes, "Hey," he says. So uh, you're you're not you're not in your normal booth, huh? And I said, "No, we're 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 kind of down. Uh, that booth stays set up for the Jags game." And he said, "I got to tell you, everybody at Clemson listens to every game. Our game, all of our games are on a Clemson radio station. I didn't realize that the Jags games are on. That's a so cool." And he said, "He said it, because of both Travis and Trevor, it is and Tyler." And it, it was that. Well, he didn't say that, but probably <laughs> too. Although Shatley did come out to practice. Yeah. But he said he said because of those guys, a big deal at Clemson is listening to the game. I, he he said Frank, That's I want. Awesome. He said I I wanted to meet you, just just because I, I I hear you every Sunday. I said really. He said he said not just me. He said people on that campus, people in town. Clemson's a small little town. People in our city, that it's on one of our stations, and we listen. And he said and that it is a it is a big deal. Sunday afternoon, Sunday at one. Is a big deal in Clemson on your broadcast. That was really cool. Yeah, because I, 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 I didn't know, you know. And he said he. I wouldn't have known that either. He, he, yeah, so it was, it was really cool. So we went to dinner and then we went out after, and there were like maybe five Clemson fans that had attended the game. And I said, you know, how was it? Obviously, knowing that they had won, and they they said it was fun, but it's cold here. We yeah. didn't expect it to it be cold. cold. It was, the game was cold. It, <laughs> yeah. was, it was a beautiful day. It right. was a beautiful day. We wound, wound up being a cold. Day. Let's take one more statement with Lauren. We'll have a. Uh, we'll talk about uh, some other things going on in the world of pro football. Who's who's in, who's out, and a whole lot more. That's next day with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Nimnik Tuesday on The Frangie Show. Nimnik, your friends in the car business since 1941. Welcome back to the Frangie Show on this Nimic Tuesday, first Tuesday of 2024. All right, last week we were off the air, but uh, Fred Taylor gets a step closer to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You just heard the comments Tony Vaselli had on the drill this morning talking about why Fred Taylor does deserve to be in the class of 2024. There's no doubt in my mind. He's the only running back in the finalist, and that's gonna help, that should help him. Uh, people know how good he was. You know, Everyone knows what's worked against him, the small market, uh, the fact that uh, because of the small market, he wasn't in a lot of Pro Bowls. Um, I, Fred is as deserving as anybody uh, that's, that's not been in in a long time. He's the most deserving guy in this list. He's humble. He's respectful. Uh, he belongs in, and he's going to go in. And I, and I don't know if it's going to be this time around, but I sure hope it is. Uh, Fred Taylor is very deserving. Uh, and, and Hayes, the common, the common sentence, uh, the common phrase with, ta- with Fred is watch the tape. 
And I agree with that. Now, what's the tape doesn't matter if you didn't have numbers. You can you could be good for a handful of plays. But watch the tape. What it should say when you're talking about Fred Taylor is watch the tape and then check the numbers, the yards per carry, uh, the length of service, the total yards. You know what I mean? So if you yeah. so watch the tape would matter if the guy played uh, 20 games. He could be electrifying. So watch the tape and then look at the numbers. I challenge you to find any running backs who have a better combination of tape and numbers. I mean, I, I really believe that. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting in terms of this campaign versus Baselli's campaign because there's a, there's a lot of striking differences. And Baselli is, uh, was very well-deserved to get in. Uh, it probably took longer than it should have. Uh, and Fred should get in. Uh, but it's, it's interesting in, in how I think the case is going to be presented and how it will be a little bit different with Tony had all – he had the Pro Bowls, he had the All-Decade, he had those kind of things – uh, and he had other offensive tackles that would talk about how great he was. But he, it didn't seem like he had as many opposing players that really talked him up. Now, some of that's because Bruce Smith is a jerk and, and things like that. Uh, so the difference here is with Fred, obviously he doesn't have the, the Pro Bowls, things like that. But what Fred has that I think is going to really aid him in the room is he has so many guys that he played against that are Hall of Fame players that say he absolutely belongs in here. And I think that's going to carry a ton of weight. Uh, and so I, I think he's got a good chance. I mean, he obviously should be in. I mean, his his rushing numbers uh, are, are absolutely Canton worthy. Uh, so, But I think it's going to be really interesting to see how his presentation is framed because I, I think Fred's greatest asset going into this, beyond obviously his numbers, is the fact that guys like Ray Lewis, Derek Brooks, say this guy absolutely belongs in. And, and I think that carries, it should carry, a lot of weight with the voting block. I think every single person who ever watched Fred Taylor play football understands that he deserves to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And it's disappointing to me that he has to almost campaign for himself when, to your point, Frank, just watch him play for the Jacksonville Jaguars for all those seasons, and you will never walk away from that film and think, eh, I'm not sure. There's no possible chance you can watch him play football and think, yeah, I don't know if this guy deserves to be in. He is by far one of the best running backs to ever play. And, yes, the stats back it up, but I don't think you even need the stats to know how good he was. The the competition, I think, Hayes will come from Devin Hester, Antonio Gates, Jared Allen. Those are the three to me. Peppers is in this and, and, pep, Peppers. and Peppers, yeah. yeah. Peppers, Peppers. He and Gates are the only first-timers. Yeah. Peppers, Gates, Jared Allen. Devin Hester, Devin and, Hester, and Fred Taylor. Yeah, and and, and I want to say, I'd be, I'd be, if that's the five, and Patrick Willis is in it, right? Yeah. He is. Okay, Patrick Willis, I think. Should, yeah. I think when I when this first came out, I I uh, my five, I don't think I had Hester, although I do think he eventually should be in. I do too. Uh, but in this group, I think I had Willis. I definitely had Fred. Jared Allen. I uh, I don't know that I had Allen. It really? was it was Peppers yep. Gates. I, Did you I, have Freeney? That was probably what it was. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I wouldn't have Freeney. Yeah, I, I I would have Jared Allen. I would have him. 
I would have Antonio Gates in. I would have Devin Hester in. I would have Fred Taylor in, and I would have Julius Peppers. That that would be my five um, of the guys that are on here. I think Patrick Willis, won't he go in the same category as Baselli as far as didn't play quite as long, so there will be more of the conversation? He was an interesting guy. He was a big, physical, tough middle linebacker, very good player. But middle linebackers are kind of a different sort. It took Zach Thomas forever to get in, you know. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. And he's a good player, but I would not have. I I wouldn't. I would have. For, again, I, I'm not saying just because he's a Jacksonville guy. I'm really not. I would have Jared Allen, Antonio Gates of this list. Devin Hester d- deserves to go in. Julius Peppers deserves to go in, and Fred Taylor. And and and, I, and by the way, I'm pretty comfortable with that group. Uh, that would be the group. I, I mean, I, I can I can with with confidence say I'd be comfortable with that group. Yeah, and and again, I think Fred has a, a has an outstanding chance. And again, as people get more accustomed to hearing, you know, the argument for, you know, I, I think that they're going to be more in line with it. And again, if they go back and watch him, it's over. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's he's just that kind of a player. So, I yeah, I mean, I I think he's got an outstanding chance. And and I I think it's I think it's really likely that it could happen this year. I I. I think Gates is a lock. I think Peppers probably is. And then I think you've got five or six guys that, that all have all should have some confidence. I think Fred Taylor is one of those guys. Yeah, so so we'll see what winds up happening. Hopefully Fred gets in. We're all rooting for him. He's, and on top of that, he's a, he's a humble, good, unassuming guy, and I certainly hope he gets in. So we'll see whether or not he does uh, or not. All right, the game's uh, right now, the, w- the way it looks in the AFC – Ravens are the one if it was today. The Ravens are going to be the one. Uh, Miami was the two if it was today. The Chiefs are going to be the three. The Jags win. They're the four. Um, then it gets interesting after that, doesn't it? Uh, the Bills are the six right now. The Browns are the five, and the Bills are the six right now. Right. But the Bills could become the two if they beat the Dolphins. That's correct. So the Bills could go all the way up to the two um, because that's where the Dolphins are now. Uh, the seventh spot, again, assuming the Jags win – if the, the Colts Texans winner is in, right? I I would think because I I don't know that for I think they're ahead of the Steelers. I think they're the seven seed, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think they're ahead of the I think they're ahead of the Steelers. If I'm not They are. The, yeah. So the Steelers have lost to both the Colts and the Texans. Right, right. So yes, uh, the winner of Indianapolis Houston is going to be in. Yeah, so so that so that so that was so that pretty much if unless that winner wins the division, which we hope doesn't happen. Correct. Because the Jags, yeah as, yeah, as long as the Jags beat the Titans, the Jags are definitely the four seed, and they're definitely playing the Browns at Everbank the, Stadium. The, the, the weird thing is, we've all been trying to follow this. If the Texan, if the if the Jags lose the game, then the Colts Texans winner wins the division and is the four seed, and then it could come down to Jags and Steelers. But you would need the Broncos to not be in the mix, right, Hayes? Because if it's the Jags, Steelers, and Broncos, that benefits the Steelers in the three-way tie. Correct. But if it's just the Jags and the Steelers, the Jags get in because they beat them head-to-head. That's right. Yeah, it's very convoluted. It's, weird. it's, weird. it's very it's weird. So just go losing. beat the Titans. Right. Yeah, you need the Steelers to lose, you need the Broncos to lose, and you need the Texans-Colts game not to end in a tie. Yeah. Those are the three things that have to happen if the Jaguars were to lose to the Titans yeah. and still get into the playoffs. So, so, Can you so, imagine not getting in because Houston – in Indianapolis, tied. tied. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's gonna. I don't almost either, happened right? a couple years ago, but 
But hopefully, they, hey, go win the game. I, I think go go, go win, win the, the game. game, and they should win the game. And if you, and if you win the game, by the way, you're the four seed. You play the Browns, and I and I I'm okay with that. I'm gonna pick the Jags if it's if it's Cleveland at Jacksonville. Me too. I would too. I'm picking the. I Jackson can tell you right. I can tell you, barring some funky injury, um, yes, but barring Trevor, or so, I would pick the Jags to beat the. I would pick the Jags, the Jags and Trevor versus the Browns and Flacco. In Jacksonville, I would pick the Jags. Right. I, I, I can, I can certifiably tell you, I would pick the Jags right now. I never liked that game in Cleveland. I love that game here in Jacksonville in the playoffs. Aren't you glad that the Jaguars? I was going to say just. It feels like a while ago now, but pretty much just played the Browns. I feel yeah, like that's yeah, better for yeah. this team and this team hopefully getting a little bit healthier yeah, than I, the Browns. I do. In the NFC, the 49ers are the one. The Cowboys right now, the two. The Lions, the three. Then it gets interesting. I guess the Bucks are going to win the division, right? They're the four if they maybe, do. I don't know. They didn't look good the other day. No, they didn't. But and I th- think they play the Panthers to end the season. So okay. the Bucks should yeah. win that game. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, do. they're the four right now. The Eagles are five. The Rams are in. They're the six. And the Packers win. They get in as the seventh. How about that? How about the Packers sneak into that thing? So uh, Good for them. Yes. Good for Jordan Love. So, so it'll be a very interesting, interesting play. It's going to be a fun playoff. It's going to be. You want to be in it. Gotta, it's way more fun if the Jags are in it. But it's going to be a fun playoff. It'll be devastating if they don't make it. Yeah, it, it really. I, I mean, it I, really I, will I, be I devastating. I, I think so too. And yeah, they again, they should go up and beat the Titans. The Titans, the the Titans aren't the Titans of old. Look, every I was talking to Mike Keith today. I was on 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 the Mike Vrabel. Mike Keith hosts the Mike Vrabel show and brings on the opposing play by play. And I was on with those guys today, and uh, I said, look, he said, what do you think of the Titans? I said, Mike, you know what I think of the Titans. I've got great respect for them, great respect for Mike Vrabel. I think he's tough. I think they play with a toughness. You know how we feel down here about Derrick Henry, Jeffrey Simmons, although he's out now, but be, well, there, there's some really players that, that we really respect there. But my guess is everybody's got to rebuild a little at some point. I don't care who you are. Look at the, look at the Patriots now. Uh, the Chiefs have certainly looked hit a wall a bit. Every, I mean, the 49ers lost three games in a row. Everybody, everybody has to rebuild, reload retool at some point and this is one of the few times the titans are there so i have great respect for the titans they will be playing lights out in this game because because all they have left now is to ruin it for the jaguars and go into uh the offseason uh with a little positivity but the jags should beat the titans the jags are the better team the jags should go into tennessee on a and i'm glad it's a day game and I'm glad it's not going to be one of those frigid cold games. There's not going to be anybody there. You wouldn't think it's going to be very well attended. Because I don't think the Titans yeah. have a great fan base anyway. Yeah. And yeah. even when they're good, I've been surprised at how lackluster the crowds are there. Yeah. And with Tennessee having nothing to play for, and, and again, well, and, and, some of it's on the, you know, the Jaguars also aren't the kind of, like, sizzle opponent that gets, you know, people into the stadium if, you know, to, to root against. It's not like the Cowboys or something like that. So, I would imagine that Sunday, the environment is very conducive to the road team. Yeah, yeah, and, and look, I mean, Nashville's a great city. A lot of stuff to do in Nashville. True. You know? I mean, I mean, so I, I, and I, I think don't, a lot of Jags fans probably picked this game to go to. They, tip, they typically do. They yeah. typically do. But the um, the the Titans are are five and eleven. They've lost three straight games. They've lost four out of five. They're playing a rookie quarterback if he's healthy. You go play a five and eleven team playing a rookie quarterback, you ought to win the game. And and again, I and, and I, I again they they just lost twenty six to three. Yeah, I yeah. think that's the kicker. Is I think the will to win was kind of beaten out of them by the Texans. Yeah, and it could have been. It, they just can't protect the quarterback at all. They gave up six sacks for minus fifty yards in the loss to Houston. 
They were one of twelve on third down. Uh, they they had 187 yards on 53 plays. There, there. I mean, you could say, well, that's just one bad performance, but it's been a litany of them. I mean, they're two and seven in their last nine games. They're averaging 16.1 points a game in that stretch. They've allowed 62 sacks on the season. I mean, Will Levis and Ryan Tannehill can't wait for this thing to be over. Right. Levis is so young that he probably doesn't know better, but Tannehill, I guarantee you Tannehill is encouraging Levis in his rehab. He's probably massaging his foot as we speak, hoping that Levis can be active on Sunday so that he does not have to get back out there and take the kicking that is going to be coming at the hands of Josh Allen and company. So, and, and again, Tennessee doesn't take the football away. So the Jaguars have found something, you hope, playing a very clean game against Carolina. If that translates to the Tennessee game, the Jaguars will comfortably win the game. I mean, I don't think it'll be like 45-3, to three, but I think the Jaguars should go into Nashville and win 23-10, to 10, you know, that kind of game. I mean, that if the Jaguars play a B-level game, that's what this should look like on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I think the the Titans, I read, I want to say I read, have 17 players on injured reserve. And if you looked at their injury report from last week, I mean, it's really, really bad. So attrition's hitting them. And, and also guys don't have anything left to play for. So the guys who are marginally hurt, I'm sure, don't even want to play to Hayes' point. I think the Jaguars have to do what they did against the Panthers, and that is be able to run the football, which they finally were able to do because they were patient with it. And no matter who's playing quarterback, don't turn the ball over. Taking care of the ball matters a great deal. Lauren's got the hour off. She's got helmets and heels along with Taylor and Mia coming up. Danny will join us in just a bit. One hour to go. It's 1010XL 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Now, the quarterback whisperer, Denny Thompson. Okay, bring it in. Brought to you by Tyson Sound and Security. Register Sausage. And George Moore Chevrolet. One, two, three. There's the whisperer. How you doing, buddy? Happy New Year. Uh, Happy New Year. I'm great. How are you guys doing? Good holiday? Great holiday. Um, In our business, though, that holiday ends and it is just like smacks you in the face. Yeah. So day one of draft prep today. Okay. So I'll be... uh, Y'all know where to find me the next three months. Right, right. Put it that way. Tell people what that is. You don't have to go through the players unless you want to. But that, that's, I know that can be private sometimes. No, no, no. These, these are these are good. Yeah, sure we have uh, we have Cam Ward, okay. who's been all over the news lately. Right. Austin Reed, uh, Davis Brin from Georgia Southern. Okay. Uh, I'm working on getting Emory Jones down here. So okay. that's the four, and um, they'll be here for the next two and a half months, every single day, working with uh, Tom and Torque um, to get ready for the combine, and then Will Hewlett and I will throw them daily and. Get them on the board, preparing, preparing for interviews, the whole thing. We've got nutritionists, PTs, um, the whole thing ready to go, man. And the guys who have come, I mean, Gardner Minshew's come through, Anthony Richardson's come through, Brock Purdy's come through. I could list, list them forever. Yeah. Um, tell people what they – give people their – and I ask you to do this every year, so I'm going to make you repeat yourself, and not everybody listens every mm-hmm. year, which I don't understand. Um, <laughs> uh, tell what's their day like, their week like, what's their life like for these next two months? Yeah, it, it's – well, it's all football. Yeah. I mean, it's the only time that really from a football perspective or a quarterback perspective, you can really dig into mechanics for two consecutive months and are uninterrupted. Um, the guys have to go to combine, right? So we're right. preparing for that. This is the biggest interview of their life. So they're 
they're every single day prepping for the 40, every single day prepping to okay. look as good as they can. Okay, I wake up in the morning. I'll yeah, 8 a.m. Wake up tomorrow morning. What am I going to do? Yeah, but we'll start at 7.30. Okay. 7.30, and, and Wednesday's a little different. Each day is a little different, but 7.30 and then – Breakfast. Breakfast. Breakfast at the house. Well, the yeah, breakfast. Depending on the day, they may go into torque and get you know a little bit of PT done early. Okay. Get a lift in. We'll come out and throw for an hour and a half or so, and then they'll go back in get some treatment. Uh, obviously, lunch in there, and then they're usually back home by three thirty or four. Okay. okay. Um, but it's it's an it's eight to day. four, six day a week type of deal. So they get up in the morning, eat breakfast. You might go work out or do physical. Ther- yeah. Physical well, you're going to work out every day. Yeah. Okay. There there's specific things. You're going to lift weights every day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Specialized so, lifting and and like this yeah. right now we're charting everything. So right now it is what's our starting point with all this? We want to know yeah. what their ten yard split is. Where are they starting with? Okay. Um, mechanics wise, where they we have motion capture coming in next week. So they to, run. To get they, all they'll, that. they'll sprint. Oh yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. No, they do so literally weight, everything sprint, here. Throw football. Yep. Interesting. Really good stuff. For yep. for players like Ward and, and Reed, do you go in with? a goal of, of a range of, of where they'll be selected? Is that part of it at all in terms of projecting where, like, what the goal is? And is it second round, third round? Yeah, I mean, I, I, obviously we all have a goal there, but what's great is that's kind of the agent's job. You know, our only job is to dial in with these guys and have them the best they've ever been over the next two months. Um, so we, we just do that each day. You know, last year, obviously, you could kind of feel Anthony Richardson's rise. Well, the year before, you could kind of feel Brock's kind of fall, right? So it's always cool to feel that one way or the other as you go. And and then, you know, you guys saw me at the Combine. It's just you get to the Combine that week, and it's you're everywhere, Yeah, right? You're everywhere just, you know, trying to get as much information out about these guys as you possibly can. As you, as you see this process change, Danny, over the years, what have you? What do you do more of now than you did three years ago? What do you do less of than three years ago? What are the? How, you know what I mean? Yeah, how, yeah, yeah. What, what has changed? How have the how have the players changed? Do they come in in better shape, worse shape? Take me through the the evolution of this. Thing. Yeah, I think for us, what's changed is we've we our team has done it so many times now. It's kind of a we've got a system, okay. right? And so Will Hewlett um, is amazing at, at this. He does all the, the the draft prep from a throwing perspective, right? Okay. And Tom does it all from movement perspective and. And I don't think anything's changed. I think what we have realized is that, yeah, you're preparing for one day, but you got to get better in these two months. You can't just make it all about that one weekend in Indianapolis. Like, we, we're, we've got a chance here to motion capture and make sure we're getting the most out of your body for the rest of your career. So I think early on, a lot of people just kind of prepared for that one day, one day, one day, one day, and they, they wasted three months of getting better. So I think we have kind of, and I hope we, we're wrong on this, hope we continue to improve, but I think for now – We've done a good job of balancing at, at that. How do we get better as an athlete? How do we get better as a quarterback? And, oh, by the way, how do we perform at our peak performance uh, March 3rd or whatever it is? And it's hard to believe, but the combine's seven weeks away. It's unreal. So it's, I mean, it's not a lot of – You don't have a lot of time because yeah. these guys also play in these all-star games, right? you got Senior Bowl. you got Shrine Bowl. you got stuff like that. That There's a week gone. And by the time you travel, there's, there's a week and a half gone. So, yeah, you don't have a whole lot of time. It seems like you do, but you may have, you know, 30 sessions. All right, let's talk about some of the college guys. Uh, Carson Beck, great again, going back. I think he goes back. I think he goes to college next year is the, is the perceived number one overall pick. Is it, am I, have I lost my mind? 
No, I don't. I don't think so at all. I don't that know enough about the other the, like positions. I don't either. But and, but, but I, yeah, I think definitely in some. But isn't he that guy? Didn't he go to college? That guy? Yeah, and it's gonna. I think it'll be a long time before we see a number one pick not be a quarterback. Yeah. yeah. So and, I mean, I and, I think in terms of that. But you don't. That guy doesn't go back to college when he didn't have to very often. No. The Carson. You know the Carson no. backs of the world, who again I'll, I'll say I, I truly believe this would have been. I don't know about a top ten pick this year. You may know more than I do, but he would have been, in my just my opinion, in a, a at worst case, middle of the first round guy. Yeah, either way you cut it, I agree. Worst case, it was not a wise financial decision to go back right. to college. No regardless of what numbers you guys here are throwing around, I know, yeah. and it wasn't a. It's not like he's making more money. It, it was a stupid decision from a money only perspective. Yeah. Put it that way. But a wonderful decision. But for a, a kid great that loves decision. College. That's right. Yeah. And when you look at the totality of it and just where it puts him, the situation that it puts yeah. him in, like it, it, it just makes a lot of sense. I'm glad that he chose. And just like Cam Ward, I'm glad that Cam decided to come out. Like these are that's an yeah. example of two guys who the world thought they kind of knew what they were going to do. Yeah, great point. But they took care of their mentals first, and and they end up doing what they wanted to do. I uh, in terms of uh, Florida State. They they get Uyangalale out of the portal. How how do you view that acquisition? I think you got to get somebody, right? I I don't know enough about DJ to know if that's the guy that you just go, hey, everything, excuse me, everything is yours. I mean, I don't know. Do, I think you got to have a competition. I I don't I don't think today's day and age there's only maybe four or five of these portal guys that are absolutely guaranteed spots at these major universities. And then from there, it's, it's listen, we got a freshman in there. we got a returning freshman. If you win, you win. It's yours. But so I think you don't if think he's an automatic starter? Um, I mean, I think right now he probably is perceived that way, but I think he better work because th- this Brock kid got a little taste. Yeah. And you guarantee he's going to work. He's not going to give it away. Right. Right. Because so this Glenn. is year two. Yeah. yeah, Brock Glenn. And then you've got, you know, a, a Luke Cromanhawk, a five-star kid coming in. So, I, I mean, I don't know. We'll see how it works out. But I think if you're FSU, you had to get somebody that had some some snaps. And and I respect kind of the way they, they played the quarterback room out um, over the over the last couple weeks of the season. And, and so, I think they've built the room they want right now. I had him last year, not this year, not this past year. I had him – I had the Labor Day game, Georgia Tech-Clemson, yeah. uh, the game Jeff Sims started. Yeah. It was Jeff Sims versus DJ. Mm-hmm. And I was underwhelmed by DJ. Uh, and yeah. that was one game, and in fairness now, nobody was very, nobody was very impressed with Graham Mertz getting a better system and was a good player. Yeah. So maybe DJ gets in. Mike Norvell's a very good coach, and maybe he gets in under a very good coach and, 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 and does better. But I was a little surprised uh, that that's the guy they landed. Yeah, I was a little bit too. I, I Just like everybody else heard the rumors. Um, doesn't seem like a – I mean, I guess he's a version of what they have with Jordan Travis, but doesn't seem like there's enough of that to where you go, we feel like we can recreate what we just did, which is Mike Norvell's offense. Is yeah. we're, we're going to pressure you in the alleys. Uh, but they, there's something there they like about him, and he is a really good player. I've seen him throw. He's a big kid. Yeah, he's the prototype. talent. Yeah, he is the prototype. Um, so, like you said, hopefully they can get him into a system where he feels – and I didn't watch enough of him this year, but where he feels comfortable read-wise and, and he can he can produce. What do you think about Penix and McCarthy? Uh, I love both of them. I think they're both interesting. I, I want to see more of McCarthy. I want to see more of like them put the game on his shoulders and say, hey, when is a football game? Because I feel like he's got that to him. But they've never really asked him to do that, at least not what I've watched. Um, Penix, like, I don't know what else he has to show. I think he's got the left-handed thing going against him a little bit. 
But, man, that dude just makes plays. There's some accuracy thing. He had some balls last night that you're like, ah, dude, you could fit that in there, right? But he has got a great instinct for the game, and I think as he continues to get better mechanically, I think he's he's somebody I would like to have. I had no idea he was that good. Shame on me. And I, what I did is I, before I voted, I'm a, vo- I'm a voter, so before I vote, I go back and look at as much many highlights as I yeah. can of the guys, and I really do. And when I saw the highlights, I said, okay, he's pretty good, better than I thought. I voted for Jaden Daniels, by the way. But, boy, last night, I might, I might, I mean, I still would have voted for Jaden Daniels, but I might have not realized how good he was. You know where I think he's really good? I've watched maybe three or four Washington games, yeah. and all three times, all four times, I've said the same thing. Man, they've got a really good tempo about them. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's a good read. That's a you know what take. I mean? Like, yeah, it, you watch take. the game, and they just get into a really that's good a really rhythm. Good take. Yeah, and, and I think he's just got that instinct about him of, hey, man, this is just overall where we want to be, and he just – the game flows through him. I voted Bo Nix second. I went Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix, and Penix. I, I think they're – I mean, all three are kind all of three. the same guy. You're right. They're very, they're today's quarterback. Yeah. Right? They, they really yep. take a break. When we come back, I want to ask Danny a little bit about Will Levis, um, who I think is going to play this week. What do you think of him? And I want you to tell us after the break, how hard is it for a rookie in the NFL? How, how, what are they going through – that in four years will seem so much easier for them. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that after this. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Nimnik Tuesday on The Frangie Show. Nimnik, your friends in the car business since 1941. (laughs) Yeah. I, I mean, I don't even know I'll come in here anymore. <laughs> you know, you notice he waited a second to kind of catch you off guard, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. The, uh, well done. The careless quarterback whisperer is with <laughs> us. You thought I forgot, didn't he? For real? <laughs> How do I forget? It surprises me every the theme, time. But. The theme song. Um, that's <laughs> tremendous. Careless whisperer for the quarterback whisperer. It's like the minute I put the headphones uh, on, it just hit me uh, like. And hmm. again, for people that don't know, we, we've kidded Denny a lot about that the wham poster used to have in the in the, in the, <laughs> the, the dorm room. Um, the uh, all right. So Will Levis, the Jags are probably going to face Levis. What do you think of him? What did you think of him during the draft process? Uh, take, I mean, obviously you came across him because Anthony had to come. Yeah, no, I saw a lot of him. Yeah. Um, at the combine too. I thought he got. I don't know if he to me he got stiff. Sure. And it just because you remember there were people talking about he was going to go number one right. overall. Right. And then all of a sudden, it just didn't look the same coming out of his hand. And we remember seeing the pictures of him all yoked up and jacked up. Right, and right. that doesn't look this, like the same will as what is now. Now he's back to loose. He spins the ball really, really well. And the thing that I didn't know about him is where was he going to be when it came to processing and even you're getting ready to get hit. You still got to sit in there and make that throw. And that's been he's, where he's been really good. He has made some excellent throws early. So it's way before they come out of their break, but he's sensing and he kind of touches the ball um, and he'll layer it to them, give them time to run under it. I, I'm If I was Tennessee, I'd be excited about him. And I wasn't a Will Levis guy last I wouldn't year. Either. I wouldn't either. I was with you on that. Do you think Tannehill has anything left? Because Levis may not play. It's It's hard to say no because I don't think he's really given us any reason to think that he's any different than he's ever been. It's just he's always kind of been that guy that's like you feel like maybe you can be a little better at that position. And Derrick Henry's getting older, so maybe they feel like they have to be. But no, I don't think it. Be, I don't think it gets easier because he's playing. 
I, I, I think the Titans probably are looking at the future more than they're looking at the present because I would say that they probably have a better chance at winning with Tannehill playing right now. I definitely think that. Hayes doesn't think that. I, definitely, I think their, their best chance to win this game would be the veteran. I, I didn't log him in a Baselli, and I talked about this during the game Sunday. None of us wanted to see Bryce Young get hurt and Dalton come in because Dalton knows how to play. Now, we, that doesn't mean – It's situational, right? Like, yeah, it, right. you know that Tannehill's going to get them in and out of the right place. Right. He knows how to play. And it's not a knock against Levis. I don't think they just – they just don't have the guys outside of Levis for his talent to become that big of a factor. So, I, I mean, I'd rather have a guy that's still kind of playing that first year than a guy who anything I throw at him, he's got an answer for. Let's get to Trevor. Trevor's had a shoulder thing. Uh, Dan, if you have an AC joint or something with your shoulder, how does it affect – I mean, with a pitcher you can't throw because you're, because pitcher's arms go – way faster because the ball's way smaller and lighter. Mm-hmm. So, with a quarterback, how much does the shoulder, how does it affect you the whole bit? I mean, it's it's tough. It depends on the grade. Okay. I mean, it really depends on the grade. Um, and I don't really know much about Trevor. And they have, they have, I don't think they've said grade they have one, not. grade two. They yeah, but I think if, if, if he was questionable last week, if there was, hey, he may play, yeah. um, it's probably not a major one, right. right? So, like, I mean, Anthony Richardson's been out for yeah, forever. Right. Right, so that's right. That's what he had. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. So I think it depends on the grade. But I, listen, there, nobody's nobody's going to question Trevor's toughness. Yeah, no question. But the thing is, is when he comes back, can you capture a little bit of what you did last week? Can you stay just disciplined? Sixteen don't bail you out of everything. But when your shoulder, but, but, but my question is, when your shoulder hurts, is it harder when you throw off your back foot? Is everything harder? You worry about getting hit on it? I mean. No, I don't. I mean, shoulder I, I don't, injury for a quarterback. I, I think if you're playing at that point, we've we've had a bunch of guys play with this, and you know, obviously, there's ways to mask the pain as well. Right. Um, you know, I think if you're playing, you feel like you can make every throw with this. If it's a, if it's, I'm thinking of a college guy we had this year. Okay. That did it uh, Saturday and played the next week and Monday, Tuesday. Didn't think he was going to be able to, and went out and played an excellent game. Okay. So I think these guys know so much about their body that as long as the pain is not overbearing that they can sequence and they can force the same movement over and over again you become such a mentor and, and friend to the quarterbacks that, that you instruct and I'm Ryan Tannehill did something post game I'm curious to get your thoughts on this do you ever have quarterbacks that call you and just say my offensive line is atrocious and I and I have no chance because a reporter asked Tannehill after the 26 to 3 loss to Houston were there instances, Ryan, where you just felt like you didn't have a chance? And he said, yeah, definitely, which you almost never hear a quarterback say publicly. I would be a multimillionaire if I could record the conversations yeah. with these guys. Yeah, I mean, it is – listen, they got to be on all the time. They're frustrated. They, they, they can never throw anybody under the bus, but sometimes it's just somebody else's fault, right? right. Sometimes you're taking the blame and, and, and you don't have time to do anything or this receiver's not where he's supposed to be. And they can never talk about that, but man, it, it it happens a lot, and these guys just kind of take the blame. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm thinking back at a couple of them that are actually pretty funny. But I've gotten calls, you know, as they're walking to a car after a game, and they know that I've watched, and they'll I immediately know the play they're they're talking about. Well, I'll give you an example. Uh, Carson had one hit out of his hand early in the game against Florida State, so he calls, and we're talking about something else. I said, "Hey, man, I got to know." And before I even finished, he's like, "It was a touchdown." Really? Like, he knew oh, wow. exactly what I was talking about. He's like, the guy was streaking wide open, and I just didn't see that guy. He's like, yeah, it was six. So, I think there's, there's just little plays like that that it's always fun to recall with these guys and hear the true story. 
This is a better question for after the season's over, but since he's right in the thick of it now, catch me up on uh, Gardner Minshew. He's oh, played man. well. He's a one game away from probably the playoffs, even if the Jags win, and I hope they do, and I think they will. If the Colts beat the Texans, uh, they'll be 10-7 and seven and probably a wild card. What's this year been like for him? Because he's a free agent at the end of the year. Right? Yeah, he is. He's a free agent. He gambled on himself again. Right. One-year deal. Um, and I, I don't know what he's going to do, but I was, just, I was just telling Hayes at the break, it's like, man, how can you how can you question this guy? Because the Colts are a good team. But, y'all, this isn't like Trent Dilfer leading the Ravens, and I don't mean that it's a knock against Trent Dilfer. None right. of us were talking about the Colts being a playoff team is the point. And then all of a sudden they lose their number four overall pick, and, and G has gone in there and, with the exception of one or two games, have played phenomenal football um, and really kind of rallied the whole team. So I hope he finishes it. But, you know, listen, there's one thing I know about him. He is never going to just sit there and resign as a backup. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Like he, he believes he's a starter, and I think that guy would borderline rather not play football than sit back there and go, I'm not, I'm not well, starter caliber. One of the problems he has, though, Hayes, is he picked a team, and it was it turned out perfectly for him, but where he's never going to be – I say never. He's not, he has no chance to be the starter. They drafted their starter. Right. And so, so it's not like – you know sometimes guy comes out of nowhere, plays better than you think, screw it. We'll give him a three-year deal and he's our starter. Well, that, that, that was never going to happen there. What, what else what, – and this is – I understand. I get that Gardner's not 6'5". He doesn't run 4'4". But what else does the guy have to do? Yeah. Like, I, I see all these guys kind of get recycled through the league at times. Like, why wouldn't the Steelers wouldn't you, go after right, him? Right. Why wouldn't I mean, exactly. you, you're playing Mason Rudolph, for God's sakes. Kenny Pickett stinks. But before you why go wouldn't you go sign Gardner Minshew really and he can point. throw it to George Pickens yes. and Deontay Johnson? Yeah, before yeah. you go mortgage the future on some young kid that you have no idea, go, go pay Gardner starter money and sign him for two years. Yeah. Like, I don't – if you make the playoffs twice in a row like he's doing with the Colts right now, you made a pretty good decision. You know, I, I think sticking with the Colts would be intriguing for Gardner, uh, assuming the money is, is good, because the Colts aren't paying Richardson a king's ransom. I mean, he makes good money, but he's on a rookie deal. Yeah. So it's not like it's $35 million a year or anything like that. And, I mean, again, until we see Anthony play a full season, I think yeah. if you're Gardner Minshew – you kind of feel like, look, I love Anthony. I love, you know, I'm sure they're very close, but I think the probability tells you you could play significant snaps in 24. Yeah, well, I mean, and he loves Steichen too. I mean, absolutely loves Shane as well. So I, I think there's a lot of reasons why he loves Indy. But again, he's just that level of competitor where I, I'm not saying he has to start. But in his head, there, there should be a little bit of a competition. Final question, because after you get off, I'm going to bring in a real live radio star almost as big as you uh, to, to answer the same question. <laughs> if you were the Bears, uh -huh. would you stay with Justin Fields? Or now that you have the first pick, would you, would you trade him and, and take Caleb Williams? What would you do? I'd stay. And why? I'd stay. Um, I just think you can build around him with what you can get for that number one pick. Mm -hmm. Caleb Williams is special. Okay. Special, special. So I, I just think you can build around what you have there right now so much faster, so much better um, with what you can get for that first pick. Manny Thompson, great work as always. We appreciate yep. it. Thanks, buddy. You know what we're about to do now? Bring in a real live radio star. Here we go. Taylor Dahl is going to answer that same question for us. I'll tell you why we're bringing in Kate Taylor to do it after this. It's 1010XL 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. 
doors, please. Time now for the Sky Life Elite Take Flight Moment of the Week. Sky Life Elite, North Florida's premier private air charter. Again, deliberate. They frequently run the play clock down a lot. In the end zone, touchdown, Jalen McMillan. 19 yards, and the Huskies lead for the fourth time tonight. That ball was absolutely ripped in there by Penix. So just an unbelievable throw. That gave Washington a 28-21 lead in the third quarter. Uh, great call there by Sean McDonough. I thought they did a great job. He's but, one uh, of the best goals. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and, and just so uh, a wonderful, obviously, game for Penix. Uh, a huge win for Washington, and that was he. He had a, a lot of incredible throws, but in terms of velocity, that one to McMillan was incredible. So uh, it was worthy to be our take flight moment of the week. That's presented by Skylife Elite. Give our friends a call at four nine zero ninety three thirty two. Go to flyskylife.com. You can also find them on Instagram. Your premier private air charter here now, in North Florida. Now you think flying on one of those air charters from Skylife Elite is good? Can you imagine doing that? And hanging with Taylor Dalton. That would time. be. I mean, I mean, <laughs> charter flight and Taylor. That would all be pretty same, awesome. Same time. That would be pretty me? great. Take doing? us, hey. take us to Perth, Australia, hey, exactly please. Right. Let's go. Hayes, Frank, and Taylor going to Perth. <laughs> <laughs> My brother actually played baseball in Perth. So, so there, most yeah. random thing. There, there you go. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Happy New, Happy, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I'm always, always in a good mood when Taylor comes along. Right? Taylor comes along, you're in a good right. Absolutely. I've never seen Taylor not in a great. And then you see Taylor, then you're in a good mood. It doesn't happen often, but when it's and when it does, it's not good. It's not pretty. I saw a scary movie uh, trailer last night. Oh, I think you? watching the playoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you seen Night Swimming or yes, Night Swim? Creepy. Did you it's, watch that? It, it, I saw the pre. Well, we were at your house. Yeah, That's right. I, we were at your house. Yeah, I said, I've never were you yeah. Night Swimming? Yeah. Night, night swim. No, I'm <laughs> not going to watch that. It's yeah. a terrible, it looks, bad movie. It's, it looks scary, but it's PG-13, which I don't like. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, to me, to be a, an excellent horror film, mm-hmm. it's got to be an R-rated movie. Yeah. yeah. I'm also interested. Sometimes when I see certain scary movies, your brain goes straight to, like, does this movie the whole entire time take place in one spot? Because it is also – there's movies that are good. There are yeah. horror movies that are good in one spot. But sometimes you're like, really? How can they make a whole movie based off of that? So we'll see. But it does. There's certain moments that look creepy in so, it. So, so as you know, as you know, you're one of the nicest people I've ever met. Mm, that you say. Yeah, you, you really are. <laughs> but this scary movie thing's all screwed up. Okay, <laughs> that's all. You're all messed. It's, um, you're, it's messed up. I just, just. I mean, I say that lovingly. It's Maybe that's why up. I'm so nice and yeah, like giggly it, outside, though, yeah. because I watch all the horror movies. I get that get out, out, of out of my you. system, okay, and then <laughs> life. Um, I'm happy. I brought Taylor in here for a reason because she because nobody follows the Bears closer than they're in the news today. Uh, first of all, tell people about your podcast, Making Monsters. Yes, so Making Monsters. Um, it's through. It's a, a podcast through SB Nation. The premise of my podcast is I follow players. So each week I'll pick a player who's been performing well, and I go back and I get kind of their story, their journey of how they got to the NFL in the first place. So it's not – we do talk the game a little bit and, re, you know, recap the game, but more so I talk to high school coaches, brothers, dads, sisters, then their college coaches, and kind of get to just like their whole path of – I mean, it's legit. That's awesome. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a legit podcast. It's a lot of hard work. And, and again, yeah. yeah and we, all, a, we all cover the Jaguars and the Gators here like you guys do on Helmets mm-hmm. and Heels. But it'd be like me doing a Pirates podcast. Yeah. That's your team. Yes. That's your team. And, and, and it's fun because to me, I think so. We get so wrapped up in the football part of things sometimes that you forget that they're human yeah. beings. And th- some of you guys are, have really, really cool stories of how they started, whether they like I did uh, one on Javon Dexter recently, actually, yeah. because he's been playing really well. And uh, he didn't even play football until his junior year of high school. Yeah. And the basketball coach was like, 
hey, you're big and your feet look pretty fast. Do you want to come try to play football? And he was like, not really. Like, basketball's my thing. I want to be in the NBA. Played two years and was recruited by a ton of SEC yeah. schools after playing two years of high school and then obviously yeah. chose Florida. But it's, it's stories like that that you just don't get on a normal basis if you're not going back and talking to the people who knew them when they were 14, you right. know? All the news today is that the Bears now have the first pick because they've got Carolina's pick, and Carolina is now – you now have the first pick. So yes. every every website you look at, every, every sports center highlight you look at, should the Bears stay with Justin Fields and trade the pick or should they draft Caleb Williams, who's all the rage? What say you? So my – and I've pretty much stuck with it throughout. There were maybe a couple moments where I was like, man, I need to see a little more out of Justin to really feel like I, I it's time to move on with him or from him, whatever the case. But I'm very much so keep Justin and trade for a haul at this point. Um, I think that he's steadily gotten better, and there's been a lot of issues around him still – they knew that, though. We knew it wasn't like a, a one, two-year rebuild. This team was an absolute disaster when Ryan Pace uh, left it to Ryan Poles. Like, so much so, I was just reading the other day, it was like $93 million in dead cap when Ryan Poles took over. He has it down to $150,000. That's how much he's revamped this roster and been able to turn things over. And so I just think there's so much you can get out of it. And when you're seeing this quarterback steadily get better, um, and it's, it's, I, it's split. I will say I about seventy. What do the Bears fans want? I would say about seventy percent of Bears fans and Bears media want to keep Justin Fields. Really? Um, it, it's that's gotten more of a divide in the last probably six seven weeks because he has been playing so well. Once we got the offensive line a so, little so healthier, so more people are on his side now. Yeah. What? What? Are, you're, you're an objective NFL guy. What do you think they should do? I, I would trade Fields, but I I understand and obviously you I don't would trade Fields and draft Caleb. Yes. Okay. I would. Because I, here's where I am with it. So Fields is now going into his fourth year. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you need to decide, or you're getting very close to needing to yeah. decide, are you willing to pay him $35 million a year? Mm-hmm. And, and to me, I would look at it more as, let's just let's trade Justin, let's reset with Caleb, and have you know a three-year window now where the team is a little bit better. Some yeah. of this isn't fair to Justin, yeah. to your point. Caleb Williams or Drake May, whoever mm-hmm. it would be, would be stepping into a, a more Way stable situation. situation. Yes. But then it gives you that three-year window with Caleb Williams being very cheap where now maybe you can go do something spectacular. Yeah. And I think Justin Fields is good. I'm not sure he's – it would scare me to pass on, you know, the potential of the next Mahomes and Caleb Williams yeah. or, you know, a, a – yeah prospect like Drake May. Uh, and I've been a- I've been asking you off air what you would do mm-hmm. and you told me and you follow it way closer than I do and and all those fans were cheering for Justin too. Yeah. Um I would trade him and draft Caleb Williams and here's why. I think I think Justin Fields may be okay. But I think the ceiling is Jalen Hurts. I think with Caleb Williams the ceiling might be Mahomes. May yeah. not be. But I think I think the might is what scares yeah, me. Yeah, no, I sure, next, and I get it. And no, I hear you. I hear you. And I don't know that I'm right. Yeah. But I'm just telling you. But I would. Do, uh, I, I think the ceiling could be Mahomes. Yeah. Do you guys have Carolina's 25 first rounder? We have their no. So for that, we got we have a second this year. We get their first and second this year, and then we got their first and second last year. So we will have two picks this year, and then after that, it's caught up. You know, another thing that but don't 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 you think. Caleb Williams, the ceiling might be Mahomes. Oh, yeah, with, that, without that, a doubt. And I don't think with Justin Fields, that's the, in my opinion, mm-hmm. yeah. the ceiling is Jalen Hurts. I, I would agree. I, I, I don't th- think that, – that's, that's why I would yeah. do it. The, the other thing, the other option, too, it could be a third option where it's you trade the pick mm-hmm. uh, 
but maybe the quarterback comes in the middle. You keep Fields. Yeah. And maybe you draft Jaden Daniels. Yes. You know, that could be something where – One of those guys that are a little bit, obviously, more of a gamble, but you have somebody to sit behind Justin, and if it doesn't work next year, you have a guy sitting there that potentially could come in and start on a rookie deal. But understand this. What made the Texans freaky – freaking scary now for the next 10 years yeah. is the Panthers taking Bryce Young. Yeah. Because that well, left C.J. Stroud there. And, and that's once you get that guy. And that's what is wild to think about because this time last year everyone was telling us to trade Justin Fields for Bryce Young, and I think that would have been a disaster this year. So it's it's hard for me. I, I like Caleb Williams. I'm not putting him down whatsoever. I think I, I have this feeling that he'll be good, but I've just watched enough, enough of Justin and what he's been able to do within the three seasons with – you, bad, you, bad surroundings. And you've seen it better than we have. All right, very good. Wrong side of the, do, uh, do some Yeah, RJ, let's hit some takeaways. Now, today's takeaways. Brought to you by Key Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over 50 years. My takeaway is Happy New Year to everybody and that the Tennessee Titans are awful. And it's going to require the Jaguars just basically not choking to go in there and win Sunday. Tennessee is minus seven in turnover margin. They've only managed 12 takeaways this season. That is next to last in the NFL. And offensively, they're a mess. They cannot protect any quarterback they put back there. They had six sacks in the 26-3 loss to the Texans. On Sunday, they've given up 62 sacks on the year. Josh Allen, Trayvon Walker, and company should really be able to get after either an injured Will Levis or a journeyman in Ryan Tannehill. And Tennessee defensively right now without Jeffrey Simmons, they, they just don't make any big plays. So uh, it's it, if the Jaguars can just play a B-level game, they're going to go into Nashville, they're going to get a win, everybody is going to be euphoric, and they will be the division champion for a second straight year. Now let's officially say hello to Taylor. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers. Equal opportunity employer. All right. Now what are we going to do tonight? I'm back. You're back. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> What's tonight? Um, well, I also just realized I forgot to take the Christmas decorations out of here. I took it all down from yeah. the front and you forgot these. you in charge these. of that? you yeah. in charge of that? <laughs> I just noticed. You I was totally, like, oh, there's totally still a tree. We're, we're going to have those up in April. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I love it. We're, we're gonna, it's going to be Christmas decorations in the mask. We still year. have our decorations. Yeah, yeah. It's jolly all yeah. year. And, and our, you saw mine last yeah, night. They're still great. Yeah. Yeah, I started taking mine down, but they are not all the way down yet. So, yeah, tonight, obviously, recap a win, a big win for the Jags. I think that it was against a very bad Carolina team that's bad in many parts on that roster. But it's a team – it's a game that I – this – I don't know quite what fans would have done if they would have lost that game. So, thank goodness we're not talking about that. but, yeah, re, uh, recap that a little bit. Some of the other stuff in the NFL, go. I usually take a look around the NFL, and we're going to take a little glance at the potential teams that the Jags would play in the playoffs. Uh, these division teams, obviously, with the Colts and Texans right behind them. Uh, break down some of the things recently that have happened with those teams that we're seeing just potentially having to um, beat some of the teams coming up in the playoffs or hoping that you uh, don't, I guess who I I don't know even know who would you pick uh, if you wanted Houston or Indy to win because it's kind of that situation where like either way it benefits one of them. Um, so we'll talk about that a little bit though. Which way we'd rather it go? All coming up. Thanks, Taylor. Thank you, Taylor, Mia, and Lauren. They have helmets and heels, and it comes up right now. That'll do it for our program tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel. In studio, not at Idle Wings tomorrow. That's we'll right. Be in studio, so we'll have it for you right here 
from 1010X. For Hayes, Lauren, and RJ, I'm Frank Franz. You have a great night. Thank you.